By the time you hear this podcast, hopefully we would have given you something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo, something snappy. They're all locals. They call Erie home. The Oneidas. Wonders. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Slow down. Come on. Slow down. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 53. Um, the video has been on our Facebook page for like a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you already know what we'll be talking about on this particular episode. Uh, for everyone who has listened so far, thank you very much. We yes, definitely do appreciate it. Much appreciation. Um we I checked the rankings of our uh, our most downloaded episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bond theme episode has been overtaken. Um, I don't know if the guest on that episode has been doing some spamming, but <laughs> our episode about power trios is the most downloaded episode by far. Um, really? Yeah. It's like it over 400 downloads while our bond theme episode is at like 120. Huh. <laughs> so 
I don't know if uh, if Graf was spamming or, or something like that or some kind of weird glitch. His email list, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's possible. Um, so, yeah, that's our most downloaded episode. It's about our Power Trio episode. Um, but uh, for everyone who had been uh, listening, we again, thank you. We're over 2,500 downloads. And if you want to tell someone where we can be found... Uh, first, we would refer you to our website by the time you hear this dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Facebook dot com slash by the time you hear this. Uh, now, the website and the Facebook page spell by the time you hear this with the word you Y O U. And if you want to um, see us on the fancy social media, refer, we refer to as Instagram, uh, you can go to by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because. We're upstanding. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, and uh, do we have? Well, do we have to be upstanding still, even after the events yeah, of the past? E- even week? more so. Yeah. Even more so upstanding. <laughs> <laughs> so we are still upstanding, and that is also the same spelling for our email address. By the time you hear this, dot by the time you hear this at gmail dot com where you can send us your questions, comments, show ideas. If you're an independent artist, we'll play your music and discuss it. No charge. We are anti-payola here. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to tell others where we can where you can listen to our podcast, we're on Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. Um, refer to the list. I am cheating again. Um, <laughs> we are on a Castbox, Satchel Podcast Player, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, and Auto Radio, and all those other things I just said. <laughs> all right, so on this episode, we have a guest. This is a guy we've wanted to have on the podcast for at least a year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at least a year, and uh, and now he is here. So. We welcome. Well, his name is also Matt. Um, <laughs> how do we differentiate between you and the other Matt we've had on here? Do we call you by your last by your government name? Is that okay? Uh, uh, you, you can. I don't mind. Uh, Abe <laughs> always did Matt one and Matt two. So yeah, he did. I don't know which one I was though. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you're the second Matt, I guess chronologically on the here. show. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, well, so we, we have Matt number two, <laughs> um, also known as Matt Bannister. Uh, so, um, Matt, we've uh, we kind of we didn't. I guess the idea we wanted to have we wanted to have why well, we wanted to have you on in the first place uh, is um, just for you to tell stories about your. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you're if it's okay for you to mention them. To mention yeah, the yeah. company that you worked for or still work for, um, but we just wanted to like uh, record you telling stories <laughs> from your time there. <laughs> I, I can I can do that too. That's that's fine. Uh, but for the time, I won't mention the company. Uh, depending on what I say throughout this podcast, okay. uh, at the end I might say what company it is. <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Uh, we will, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, 
we'll hold on to that for now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> uh, I'm about to not work there anymore, so then it'd be fine. So. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> in your new tell-all book. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Well, we won't want to give too much away of the, of the tell-all book then in that case. Um, so, um, well, as we normally do here we do have some music news that we discuss in the first part of our show um let me get back to our notes here okay so uh well since uh people who've listened to our podcast she seemed to make it in a in a lot of our episodes and uh she is finally being mentioned on this podcast again victory is hers (laughs) um so Taylor Swift, Ugh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Taylor Swift yet in the news again. Um, now I don't know if she'll write a song about this. If she, she'll does, find she might find a way. If she does, then they need to go back and rule guilt that she's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> they need to rule in his favor if that's the case. So, uh, civil court jury ruled in favor of Taylor Swift in a publicized sexual assault case against David Mueller, a former Colorado radio DJ. She accused of groping her during a 2013 meet and greet. And uh, he, uh, David Mueller had an interview recently in which he maintained his innocence in the incident. And he filed a counter lawsuit or uh, well, no actually not a counter lawsuit but he just filed a, he, he sued Taylor yeah, Swift defamation. for three million dollars over yeah. the termination of his radio contract he was fired after this incident uh, he claims he did not grab her um, he could take a polygraph even though they're not admissible in court really. yeah <laughs> so uh, there was a photo of the incident where she's leaning away from him and his hand is behind her um, and he acknowledged the photo's awkwardness by explaining he wasn't ready, but he wasn't invited to be in the photo, and he just moved into the <laughs> shot best that he could. Who is that next to her? Is that her mom? Um, actually, I haven't even seen the photo. Yeah, he looks. He don't want to see. He looks like the type of guy that would. <laughs> like he just, I didn't want to believe it at first because I mean, like I like Taylor Swift's music, but I don't like her. Even though I've never met her. Um, I just feel like this is something she would make up to, you know, as as part of her blame game. The, the same thing with the Kanye thing. But looking at this picture, he kind of looks kind of like, you know, one of those kind of slimy radio DJs that totally did it. And he was going to go back and tell the story and be like, yeah, man, I grabbed a butt, man. Yeah, I got it. Like, I just I, I he just looks like he would be that type of guy. Like he was going to get on the air the next morning and say what he did. Maybe that's just me, though. Um, particularly if this is the photo. Have you seen the picture, Matt? No, I'm trying to look it up right now. I said we can tell by your your groan at the beginning. <laughs> no, I just I just don't like her. <laughs> um, looking at the photo, it's. I mean, it's pop. Why is it his hands below the waist? It is below the waist. It's below the waist. It is below the waist. Yeah. Um, 
And he's smiling like he's got a hold of something. <laughs> he's got a uh, hold yeah. of something? Kind of, well, I didn't say of. a lot of something, just he had a hold of something. <laughs> um, and yeah. That I, is pretty he, weird. He, yeah. It's in a it's in an awkward place, and uh, he doesn't seem like he does the hover hands type of thing. Not exactly. He looks like he's very handsy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. What's uh, <laughs> great? He's probably been like, he's probably been wanting to do this for a while. <laughs> Yeah. That's just my guess. And this is on the Red Tour. This is when I still liked her. This was from 2013. And looking at this uh, Good Morning America interview he had, he has not aged well <laughs> since this incident. Um, He even also tried to get a note from Taylor Swift as far as like um, ask for something in writing that there was some kind of misunderstanding and while he was trying to get another job. And that didn't happen, of course. Um and uh Oh, that's cheesy. I see the screen cap Swift Justice and Superstar Groping Trial. That's, <laughs> that's terrible. Who writes that's these? like a bad bad movie title. Yeah, who writes these things? Oh man. Um Coming to Lifetime. Swift Justice. <laughs> also, when this, I feel like uh, you could figure this mm-hmm. out if you got the photographer to release the the camera settings on this, because like you know, if shutter speed, like his hand, if he was if it was, he was in process of bringing it up her back, you would see the blur of the photo. Mm, but touche. maybe not. I don't know. No, that's that is a good point because his hands are very still. So yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll never know, and it's already uh, the the ruling has already come in. And uh, legal analyst Dan Abrams for e- for ABC, he says that the jury found the mother credible, Swift and her mother credible, and they may have doubted Mueller's claim that he lost a recording of the conversation of a conversation with his boss. I guess which may have helped him or what which would have helped him possibly. And in addition, Taylor Swift's decision to claim only a symbolic one dollar <laughs> in damages strengthened her case. Mm, so because she's rich and doesn't need the money, <laughs> basically like, oh, I have all the money I could ever need. Didn't you hear 1989? Like, she, yeah, whatever. I don't know. After like Wait, said, now she's saying that. After the after the with all the streaming that she didn't want to do, she felt she wasn't getting paid enough. She, had, she has a net worth of two hundred and eighty million dollars, according to Forbes. Yeah, so I think wow. she's doing all right. Yeah, I mean, like wow. honestly, after the Kim Kardashian thing and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West thing, I have a hard time believing her because she took before Kim released that tape, she took such a hard line yeah. that she never talked to Kanye like in like. She was the victim, and oh my god, I can't believe he would do this to me. And then, like when Kim released that tape, that's that was that was the main thing of it, as far because they tried to make it seem like uh, Kanye was recording their conversation without her knowledge. Yeah, but that was Kim, uh, who, who uh, by California law, if another person's in the room, mm-hmm. they can record someone's conversation. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. So she just released the she released yeah. them on Snapchat, <laughs> and nothing from nothing from Taylor Swift, like and nothing. 
couldn't say could she couldn't say anything. She yeah. couldn't say, Well, I she's not gonna say, Well, I lied. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> um man, she's kinda like the NFL. Um Damn. <laughs> wow, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> she's not gonna admit fault. Um Hashtag but, Roger Goodell. <laughs> but at least she's not crying wolf, I guess. Yeah. In this case. Um If you can't tell, Greg's a Cowboys fan. Just saying. Just saying. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, even before, before I, even you know. before all this, people still want the NFL to also uh, be the law, um, and that is very dangerous. But anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. So, uh, well, Ben, you you had this story, uh, Bruno Mars is donating money to Flint, Michigan, and it's weird that they still need money for this water issue that they've been having. It seems like it's like, has it been three years? I feel like it's been like 10. It's been a while. (laughs) I mean, I still remember listening to a podcast about it on um, stuff they don't want you to know, at least in 2015, (laughs) about it. And now we're halfway through 2017, and they still don't have running water, and a pop star had to give them money <laughs> like it's yeah I don't and I mean like so yeah he's donating money um let me pull it up here I had it he should just donate water like, they can't <laughs> well people are donating water they're <laughs> donating I know that people would still donate bottled water to Flint but why are, like he's he probably has done that but if they're still donating bottled water like yeah. why hasn't this why do they still have like they still have brown water like yeah. two years later at least? Like, so it says, how? <laughs> it says uh, while performing at the Palace of Auburn Hills, in, which is near Detroit, uh, Bruno Mars announced that he is donating a one million dollars to help the ongoing crisis. So it's ongoing. <laughs> it's like it's still it's still going on. Like I thought, wow, I thought that was solved. I really thought that that had been dealt with already. Yeah. But apparently it's still going on. Every now and then I'll see something come up about it. And that's always the same reaction. Like, is this still going on? <laughs> so uh, tonight I'm going to donate one million dollars to our brothers and sisters in Flint, Michigan. Mars said during the concert, um, Lariah Stevens was born and raised in Flint. It's a great thing for somebody to help a city that they're not from and that they're not part of, Stevens said. And then that she was amazed by his generosity on Saturday. I feel like it should be given. To, um, <clears throat> it should be given to and put toward fixing water. Of course, that's what matters. So honestly. Like a million dollars is a lot. Don't get me wrong, but they're going to need a lot more. Like we're talking about changing infrastructure in this city because I don't I don't know how much, you know, people have looked into it, but it's the pipes like they have to literally go in and replace the pipes. So like it's a nice start. If more people are willing to donate and things like that, it could get done. But like a million dollars, it's just like we'll just buy them a lot of bottles of water (laughs) at this point. The issue is the lead pipes, right? I believe so. That was the problem. They were lead pipes, but they um, lined them with uh, material that was very corrosive. And so over time, they, you know, the the corrosiveness started to the um, the the metal started to corrode and it started leaking to the water. And um, and at that point, like it was something like the uh, I don't think it was the mayor of Flint or maybe the governor of um, Detroit. They were in denial and not Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because Detroit's a state. 
um, the governor of Michigan, they were in denial about it. Like at one point, like I think the mayor of Flint was like, you can drink. Um, he, he said he was going to, in public, drink a glass of unfiltered water from the tap. I don't. I can't remember if he ever did it, but that's dangerous living. Like, that's real dangerous. Died but there was like, <laughs> <laughs> while um, while Obama was still in office, uh, during some kind of press conference, he drank a he drank water from he drank a glass of tap water from Flint, but it was clean. So mm. at that point, it's like okay, well, you know, eventually that will be you know that will be they solved. Show them pouring it. <laughs> See, that was a thing. I didn't see it being poured. It was just a glass on the table. It just spread out like presidential glass. And it was like poured from like spring water. And he's like, this is a glass of water from Flint's flowing rivers. And he just. Did he say it was Flint, Michigan or Flint? There's got to be. He might just said Flint and it could have been like Flint, Nebraska. (laughs) Cleanest water in the country. He's just like, I never said it was Michigan. (laughs) There is a Flint, Georgia. Just saying. It it could have been. They're close to Canada. It could have been Flint, Ontario or something. You never know. You never know. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's great that you donated money, but like. I mean, if anything, yeah, it, it, like, it gets like the you conversation said, like, started, you know, and, and, restarted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> apparently, I which thought is, that was over. Which is kind of what happens with a lot of these things. Like, one celebrity does something that you know gets the conversation restarted. It brings a little bit of awareness, and then in two years later, we'll probably be sitting around and be like, "This is still going on in Flint," and some other pop mm-hmm. star will be donating a million dollars to fix the water that should have been fixed. So. I'll um, check back in in three years and see how it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did your million dollars go to? Like, it went to a session where we looked at new pipes. Like, <laughs> that's all it paid for. It was like a, it was like a, like when you have a wedding and you try the food. That's what. Oh, this yeah, was. they sampled the cake. Yeah, they sampled the pipes. <laughs> well, we all finally got our bonuses. Thank you, Bruno. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> so sad but true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I wonder what's going to happen with that. I, I'm well. I feel like there's going to be a um, there's going to be a movie made about this, probably starring Julia Roberts. It'll be her comeback or whatever Ooh, about the flight crisis. She could be. Um, this could be like Aaron Brockovich part two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see that. Or she works the streets to pay back the, the pipe money. <laughs> She'd probably pay it back faster than Bruno Mars. <laughs> I can't remember the comment she made in that movie that just made her sound so trashy. Like to, she said, like what all she had to do to get into the office with that guy. And I was like, oh god, like is this? Was it about pipe by chance? <laughs> yes, it was about how much pipe she handled. <laughs> but- <laughs> This movie's writing itself. Yes. So yeah, I could see that. Like, Aaron, I could totally see Aaron Brockovich part two, even though Aaron Brockovich didn't do anything. Like, it's a, it's one of those what a sequel in spirit. <laughs> it's just Aaron Brockovich. So it's the same idea. And I don't want to go too far off topic. Of I don't know if I ever told you about this, Greg, but the idea I had for a sequel to Remember the Titans. No. It was called Remember the Titans Part Two: Down in the Delta. And Coach Yost goes to Mississippi to integrate high school football. 
What year is it? Around that time, I don't know. <laughs> it was 1972. Shit, it could, it could be 1999. <laughs> like, <laughs> It'd be the same. <laughs> it's yeah. Mississippi, man. And then the then um, then the third one would be. I remember the Titans um, Bayou Bash, and that's in Louisiana. He goes to Louisiana to. Um, so he just goes all across the <laughs> South. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Coach Yost goes across the South, integrating high school football. Um, Still wants the throughout the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I mean, of course, you couldn't get Denzel Washington to do this, so you'd have to get like a B-list actor that kind of looks like him, you know, to do it. So that was my idea, though. So if someone's listening, yeah, remember the Titans down in the Delta. If you can make like twenty land before times, you can make three. <laughs> remember the Titans. You can you can do that. I mean, you can even animate it. Oh, that'd be even Just better. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Animated River Titans. Down in the desert. <laughs> and it's just like... That way, that way with uh, with Hayden Pantier's character, she doesn't have to age. No, she does not. She can no. stay 10 years old the yeah. whole time. See? There you go. Because <laughs> you can't afford her now either. So. No, they can't. <laughs> like, she wants what? And, no. of course, well, Will Patton's no longer with us. So... Aww. Hold on, yeah. who was Will Patton? Who was he was, we played Coach Yost. Coach, oh, yes, 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 okay. Wait, what? Will Patton? You mean, um... Oh, wait, is that his name? No, he's... Bill Paxton died, right? Bill Paxton. Wait, who, what? Yeah, he, he's... Will Patton's still alive. He's 63. Uh, so Bill, pa- Bill, Bill Paxton? Paxton? Yeah, I, Bill I, Paxton. I know he, I can... I knew... He, he, their faces, he, but I always confuse Oh, yeah, no, names. Will Patton, yeah, he's, yeah, he is 63. He looks good for 63. Yeah, Bill Paxton, he gone. I get, he I was the assistant in, coach. Uh, actually, I don't think I knew his name was Will Patton because I used I to get the either. two of them confused oh, wow. all the time, but for different reasons. Like, seriously, this whole time, I thought Will Patton was the only, I didn't know it was Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that now? <laughs> <laughs> Do okay. you wish it was him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought, well, it it can't be made. It, it'll be weird to make it with somebody else. Um, but maybe he could still uh, he could still voice the coach in the animated version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just realized he was in the Punisher. I didn't realize I was the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so <laughs> no real segue into that. Um, so. Uh, well, we talked about the the Manchester bombing and the um, the subsequent benefit concert uh, the Ariana Grande put on. Uh, Twenty two people uh, were killed during the uh, bombing of a Ariana Grande concert in Manchester in May. Uh, the families of each of the victims will receive three hundred and twenty four thousand dollars from the we love Manchester emergency fund and uh, in a press release it said that the payments will ensure the families benefit from the phenomenal outpouring of public support following the attack. The city and the world responded with such extreme kindness, generosity and solidarity in the aftermath of the Manchester arena attack. The fund is raised more than $23 million uh, from members of the public and um, of course, also raise funds through the One Love Manchester Benefit concert that Grande hosted in June, and all proceeds from the event went towards the We Love Manchester Fund. Uh, 
Um, man, did, can some of that money go to Flint? Like, seriously? <laughs> Just a little bit. We need a well, We Love Flint uh, concert or something. Well, you heard what Dave Chappelle said. Man, he didn't even go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and also... Uh, she re-released her song one last time, along with the cover of the Wizard, of, along with the cover of the Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which she did perform during the concert. And proceeds also went um, to the victims of the attack. The proceeds from those singles. So, um, it's nice that they did raise that. You know, that money was raised, and that the, um, I mean, the money isn't going to bring those people back, but wow. at least it. Uh, people showing support and solidarity, as, as they said, um, is is pretty nice. Um, and it's, I guess, it's interesting that uh, with this kind of thing, I know it's in another country, and every time something bad happens in another country, we see a lot of people on um, on social media, and it's it's something that that bothered me the you know the before, like with the. Uh, uh, it was a terrorist attack or something in Paris, mm-hmm. and I saw the "Pray for Paris" hashtags, yeah. and the people got the option of you know changing their profile picture yeah. to the Paris flag filter, and then something similar happened in um, it was an African country. I think it was like Kenya or mm-hmm. something. I think it was a bombing there. Yeah. I was like, okay, where's the Kenya Facebook filter? <laughs> Facebook, where where is that? Where's the pray for Kenya hashtag? And, you know, I didn't see that. Um, and But with Manchester, oh, it's England. And um, one of the first things I thought of, well, you, you may know who I'm talking about. I had a friend at West Georgia to where she was. She pretended to be British sometimes. <laughs> who is the, oh, But this, only because her stepmother was British. Her stepmother is British. So she felt that she was also British. She had a, she had an, um, an England bumper sticker on her car. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but I feel like people react that we when something happens in a country that they have nothing, they, to do with. they have nothing to do with, or maybe they vacation there once. That's why I felt like the the whole Paris thing mm. was about, like, oh, you went there once. Like, I'm not, I'm not French. We. Oui. I've been I've been to Paris, but I don't I'm not French. I'm not saying I don't care, but there's stuff going on in my own country mm-hmm. that um that that affect me more than what's happening in another country because I'm I'm not from there. I I don't have that kind of empathy. I'm sorry. Um and changing my Facebook <laughs> profile <laughs> picture to the flag of that particular country does what? Mm. Nothing. Donate dis- money. You, yeah, it feels disingenuine, <laughs> to be honest. Like, it's kind of like, yeah. Well, the thing is, if you donate money, there's not, like, a thing that pops up on your feed that tells everybody, like, hey, I did something nice for somebody. So, like, <laughs> that's for the people who are like, I want credit for caring about something, and I want everybody to know that I care about it, but then you don't have to do anything about it, yeah. and you still feel like you did something. And those kind of people are the worst. So. <laughs> I mean, if it was people in England or in Europe that were donating money for this, because they had some kind of connection to to Manchester, it's a um, 
it's a very prominent area, especially as far as arts and music is concerned. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Yeah. But if you're American and you donated money to this. <laughs> and, and people in Flint don't have water. And, and yeah. And their water is still brown. Maybe they're like, uh, maybe like your friend. They're like, hello, I'm from London. <laughs> Like, you're from Alabama. Shut up. Hello, I'm from London. London, Ontario. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I thought you were going to talk about your friend who, or maybe it wasn't you that told me. Someone, I knew someone who had family that were still, they were British and they were still mad at the United States about the Revolutionary War. <laughs> no, I don't know anybody like that. Wow. Yeah, they, they still held that against the U.S., for separating from the for wanting to be their own country, yeah, they still like get mad on Independence Day, things like that. You know, it's just like, how uh, dare you defy the king? Yeah, <laughs> like those little wankers over there across the pond, thinking they can break off from the mother country and just like and that was really bad. But you know what I mean. You went Australia for a second. <laughs> I kind of did. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of, well, not really. This related to Europe in general. Um, Macklemore, uh, <laughs> I guess people are just now finding out he renounced that his his <laughs> was referred to as his Hitler youth haircut. I'd never heard that term before. <laughs> to me, it was just a hipster haircut. Like that's what, like most white dudes that are hipsters have that and a thick beard. Like I, his haircut just looks like a haircut. Like I saw somebody last week that looked like they had a Hitler haircut and I pointed that out to somebody because they looked like that. He just had a little preppy haircut. Like it's, I don't know. But that, that has been like adopted as the, as the, the, the white nationalist alt right, uh, go to haircut. Um, there were, I guess what this article says, if you search Richard Spencer Macklemore, (laughs) <laughs> on Google, you will see the comparisons. Um, and then a comedian called out Macklemore to uh, renounce the haircut or denounce the haircut. And Macklemore responded saying he got rid of it over a year ago. So, um, as I was telling Ben, it's time to move over to Gordon Hayward to, <laughs> to denounce that haircut. <laughs> If I, well, that's almost that's very close to the Zach Morris haircut from like the Zach Attack days, where I mean, yeah. Zach's was like loftier, but those haircuts are very similar. I'm looking at them now. I don't know. Basically, like stretch. you know, it's 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 a bit high and tight, oh, like a marine, but you similar. have it like swoop back. Um, but yeah, I do understand what you mean if it's comparable to to a Zach Morris. Um, There's that damn phone. I googled. <laughs> you saw the phone. <laughs> the phone is like the third picture. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, and uh, of course we'll talk about the charts. Um, hold on, let me make sure this isn't no other sounds going to play here. Okay, cool. All right, so. <clears throat> Uh, some sad news, I guess, for Drake. He'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. For the first time in 431 weeks, Drake will not have a song on the Billboard Hot 100. 
I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that's, that's, an ama- that's an amazing run right there. Yeah. For me to not know any of his, his songs except for that cell phone one, that's pretty good. <laughs> <cool. laughs> um, since uh, and he he has the record. He has the record for most weeks on the Hot 100 consecutive weeks having a song in the Hot 100 uh, by far. Uh, he broke Lil Wayne's record. Uh, looks Thank like two God. years ago. <laughs> he broke it two years ago. Um. But yeah, 431 consecutive weeks. Um, Isn't that like his mentor? <laughs> has, the, yeah. has the student become the master? <laughs> um, uh, on the list, they have, uh, well, in one through, looks like 11 here, uh, Lil Wayne, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Chris Brown, Jay-Z, Nelly, Kenny Chesney, Destiny's Child, Katy Perry, and Taylor Swift. One of these is not like the other. Kenny Chesney, really? <laughs> How are some of those on the Hot 100? Like Nelly, really? <laughs> that had to be like early. Like his is at 152, so that's like over a three-year period, almost three years. That was probably the Hot in Here era. I bet. Yeah, that was that was the Nellyville era. Yeah. And this just having a song on the Hot 100, like your song could be at number 92, <laughs> it still counts. Sure. <laughs> um. And uh, he Drake also um, has a hundred uh, over that time a hundred and fifty seven songs that I, I that has to include features. Yeah, <laughs> so, he hasn't uh, released one hundred fifty seven. No, songs. <laughs> uh, wow. And that is the most among solo artists, and second most among all artists, only to the cast of Glee. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, I still need to watch that show. Is that that still on on Netflix? Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Just the the whole. uh, I don't know. Don't watch the the last season. Songs are really good. Like they they went all out doing the songs and everything like that. But like the TV show, this at least I watched the first season of it and. I don't know. The only thing I ever liked was the music. Like the plot just seemed secondary. So if you just download the soundtrack, you're probably pretty good and you can contribute to there. <laughs> Cause I did like their version oh, of three by Britney Spears. Oh yeah. That the was really good. Version. Um, I know other Matt, Matt one watched. He loves it. He's seen it start to finish. I know Greg, you've seen it start to finish. No, you haven't seen it start to finish. Okay. I, I have not watched the last season because okay. of how it, it like, it's like, well, no, it's like, Five years later, uh, Mr. Shu goes to coach Vocal Adrenaline, which was the rival mm. band, the vi- the rival group. And then Rachel it, it comes back to bring to like revive new directions. Oh, that was the name of the group. Yeah. Well, at, at yeah, the, I thought they were called Glee. <laughs> <laughs> she comes back to revive new directions, and she has, a, and it's a whole new cast. It's supposed to take place like five years later oh, after okay. the previous season. And um, previously on Glee, I could just see yeah, and then uh, like uh, I feel okay, so yeah, they make it through regionals, and then what was the next like sectionals, sectionals, then regionals, and then nationals, and then they go up against Mister Shoes Vocal Adrenaline <laughs> group mm. at the end. I, I'm just guessing. Okay, <laughs> I thought that I was, haven't watched it, but I figured that's how it went. Could be oh, like- and uh, also 
what I've read is that the um, Blaine, who was at the private school, the all boys school, mm-hmm. uh, that school burned down. So <laughs> their their glee group joys new directions to form this super duper <laughs> right, super so duper glee group. I'm probably not gonna check. That. That's not how school zoning works. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like this is this is Lima, Ohio. How is the well one? How is there that private school? Uh, how is this such a great school system for this really small town? But anyway, um, schools are made of cinder blocks. How do you burn one down? <laughs> <laughs> it was a private school, so it was, everything was made of wood. Oh yes, <laughs> and uh, like well, oak, and yeah, just like uh, lots of oak. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I have not watched the last season, um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, that sounds awful. I probably won't watch that now. Yeah, no. just just watch Pitch Perfect over and over again. See, I did like it's Pitch better. Perfect. They're yeah. making a Pitch Perfect three. I think we mentioned that. Yeah, they did uh, some shooting at the aquarium downtown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they they have been shooting in Atlanta. Um, so yeah. Uh, no more. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, no more Drake on the Hot 100, and we'll update you on the charts really quick. Number one on the Hot 100 is still Despacito, aka Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, look at the rest of the top ten here. Uh, number two, Wild Thoughts. Number three, Unforgettable. Number four, as it still loads. Believer by Imagine Dragons, number five, Charlie Puth, Attention. I love it, man. That song is climbing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that was an earworm for us. Uh, uh, Ego hipster on that, Tom. Yeah, we could. I, I could. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was an earworm a few months ago. Um, number six, uh, There's Nothing to Hold Me Back by Sean Mendez. Number seven, That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. Number eight. Love and hip hop alum Cardi B. Oh, that's Bodak that Yellow. Oh, okay. I, I haven't actually heard that song, uh, but there was an Instagram video of her rapping in Spanish with it too. So, uh, number nine, "Shape of You" by the most influential artist in Black music, Ed Sheeran, and number ten, "I'm the One" by DJ Khaled featuring Bieber, Quavo, Chance the Rapper, and Lil Wayne. Oh, so it looks like Cardi B knocked. Uh Sam Hunt and his ode to curvy women <laughs> out of the top ten body like a back row. I, I don't know. I like that. I like that just because, of course, body like a back row. Oh, that means she's curvy. Yes, got a body like a back that's row. Like, that's like bumpy and like. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I'm thinking of dirt road. Go to a doctor because you got circulation problems. <laughs> I'm thinking of a dirt road. Y'all stupid man. <laughs> a body like, so it's dusty. She got a dusty body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, like an old library book. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Is she closer? I'm going to stop this family podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Um, the Billboard 200. That uh, This is the albums here. Number one, back at number one, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, damn, all right. Um, <laughs> I think he released a new single. Uh, and probably the the with the video, um, the song he did with Rihanna. There's a video for that. That was trending on YouTube pretty much. And um, 
Yeah, that probably helped it along. Number five is going to blow your mind. And I don't mean that <laughs> as clickbait, but number five is going to blow your mind. Uh, uh, no, I, before we get there, number two, uh, Brett Eldridge with his self-titled album debuting at number two. Number three, DJ Khaled's Grateful. Number four, Wins and Losses by Meek Mill. Number five, yes, they still make these. Now, 63. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there are 63 of those. And people still buy them. How are you? I still remember buying the first now in high school. These are parents. These are parents who are probably our age. <laughs> Who uh, <laughs> who don't let their kids have any like streaming music accounts and uh, don't and don't know how to use them? Yeah, like here you go, dear. I bought you now sixty three. Awesome. Here's now sixty three and kids bop forty six. Enjoy. <laughs> it's got their radio edit. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like I still remember, like it had like fly away and as long as you love me and. Um, Everclear will buy you a new life. Like it had, you know. To my kids, Bob, or now? The the first now. I bought, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was there. You bought the first now? Yes, I bought it <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a record store at Tanger Outlets in Locust Grove, and I was so excited. The, uh, the, well, the, the only now that I remember, I don't remember what number it was. It might have been like seven or eight, but um, this was back in Augusta. Actually, Fort Gordon, to be exact, at the public library. Of course. Of course it was the public library yeah, when I got a CD. Uh, I know it had, like, edema. Oh, wow. <laughs> it had edema there. Going back. That's like 2000. Yeah. So, okay, so 1998, um, I found the track listing of the first now. Together Again by Janet Jackson. Wow. As Long As You Love Me. Okay. The Way... By fastball? fastball, yeah. If you remember nice. them, VH1 Legends yeah. fastball, flagpole sitter by Harvey Danger. Harvey Danger. <laughs> Say you'll be there by the Spice Girls. I okay. think that's why I bought it. Actually, <laughs> all my life, Casey and JoJo, never ever All Saints. If you could only see Tonic, Umbop, Hanson, Prisoner of the Moment here, Zoot Suit Riot, Cherry Pop and Daddies. <laughs> Wait, nice. hold up. Was Big Band still popular in 98? Yeah. Into the, like, mm-hmm. 95. Shorty, You Keep Playing With My Mind by Imagine. Anytime by Brian McKnight. Another Prisoner of the Moment, Barbie Girl by Aqua. Wow. Karma Police somehow made it <laughs> By <on> Radiohead? <laughs> yes, somehow. <laughs> I Will Buy You a New Life um, by Everclear, Fly Away, Lenny Kravitz, and last but not least, Sex and Candy. Marcy Playground, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, who, who's actually buying this album? Because like that whole track listing, it's not made for one person to not. like. I love every song. Like you're <laughs> you're buying this and skipping a lot of these. I remember skipping skipping the Imagine song. Um, I I think I skipped the Radiohead song because I wasn't I didn't really care for that song. But yeah, that's this is all over the place this is the schizophrenia <laughs> this i thought you thought you would think that this kind that that kind of i mean it was cool at the time mm-hmm. because basically it was like it was a mixtape yeah but yeah. now there's 63 mixtapes in Who's and somehow buying? people are still buying them so much There's- so that it's in the top 10 of the hot 200 <laughs> I think every time, yeah, every every time it comes out, it, it's in the top ten. 
Um, I just I think it's crazy how there's that many. There's 63 now, which is I believe the same number of Police Academy movies there are. I don't <laughs> don't quote me on that, but I, that's weird that they match up like that. Or laid before time. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll eventually get to that number with Sharknado. Yeah. Well, Land Before Time will eventually get to where it's like, oh, it's right now. It's 2017. <laughs> the land of right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, they're in a museum somewhere. Um, okay. Yeah. So we're still at number five on that. Um, number six. <laughs> number six is uh, it's an album by 21 Savage. <laughs> Atlanta's very own 21 Savage. Um, divide by the most influential artist in black music. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, I did not refer to um, DJ Khaled as the Nick Fury of music. Nick <laughs> um, Number eight is Evolve by Imagine Dragons. Number nine, Control by SZA. And number 10, American Teen by Khaled or Khaled. Yeah. Um, it's Khaled. Khaled. Yeah. I- I like actually like that album. It's pretty good. Um, never sure how it's how it was pronounced. Uh, okay. I almost want to refer to Imagine Dragons as Two K Legends because I think <laughs> like for the last three years they were the opening like the opening trailer had oh, their yeah. music. Like and everyone's wondering is it going to be them again this year? But I don't know if they've like have they released another like anthem type song. <laughs> I mean that single that's out now is kind of anthemic. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, okay. Hold me. Okay. Did I skip it? I was looking for, um, we have to make a reference because apparently this album's not very good. What uh, album? where is Katy Perry's pris- uh, oh, pr- um, witness? Yeah. Mm. Okay. It was in like the twenties on our last episode. Uh, 101. Is it really? Yeah. It was 104 yes, last it. week. So it's on the rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's back on the rise again. Okay. Yeah. On our but, last uh, episode, it was like Imagine number twenty four. That's their last album, so she's not doing. Jeez. <laughs> really, Imagine Dragons. They're they're still hanging in there. Meanwhile, she's she's just ahead of Journey's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you gotta you know feel good if you're Journey, <laughs> like, but still behind such albums as Bruno Mars' Doo Wops and Hooligans. <laughs> I'm genuinely floored at some of the albums I'm seeing. Guns N' Roses' greatest hits. Like I see Multiply by Ed Sheeran at number 68. Ed Sheeran's last album is outdoing your most recent album. <laughs> Good Kid, Mad City, Kendrick Lamar's first album is outdoing your most recent album. Here it is. Kids Bop 35, number 130. <laughs> last week it was 97. Last week it was better than Katy Perry. <laughs> Hysteria by Def Leppard. Is it 79? Whoa. The Eminem show. Did somebody from Def Leppard die? I don't know. <laughs> Drake's Take Care, number 76. Oh, what'd you say, Matt? Well, which one? The Eminem show is still on the charts. 133, uh, 332 weeks on the charts. Wow. How are they? Sh- okay. What was that? that was 2001, wasn't it? Like, the Eminem show? That was I think so. Ago. Yeah. 2001, 2002. 2001, it's still there, 142. Meteora. Well, we know why that's up there, though. Yeah, but didn't Linkin Park on our last one? They had like three in the top ten. Yeah, top twelve, something like that. I I am yeah. genuinely floored by some of these albums, though. That's crazy. Uh, so we done we've done an episode on this. Fleetwood Mac's Rumors is number one fifty two. 
Michael Jackson's Thriller is 154. <laughs> Dr. Dre's I guess I've never just thought to look on here before, but yeah. The Beatles 1 is number 165. <laughs> this is, okay, wow. Imagine Dragons, another album of theirs, 199. <laughs> Katy Perry, barely hanging on. <laughs> Wow. Oh man, um, Leonard Skinner's all-time greatest hits at one ninety. So who's buying American Idiot? Who's buying these records still? Like, is it? I think it's got to be streaming. Yeah, like it, it's. I mean, I could see like some of these. I don't know how they calculate everything. If it has anything to do with like if you just listen to one song off the album, if it gets any tick because of that, but. It's got to be like which, people and their weird playlists. What's funny is that the weekend's trilogy, which is basically his first three mixtapes, which can be downloaded for free, yeah, is number one ninety seven. Mm. So yeah. people are are still are buying it. I mean, if you're streaming it, I understand because it, it's on Spotify. But if you're buying it, <laughs> so what's even crazier too is to look at the weeks on the chart. So. Oh yeah. Nevermind by Nirvana has been on the charts for 373 weeks. It's currently sitting at 198 down from 185. Number 70 Bob Marley and the Wailers best of 482 weeks. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, all right. So yeah, that is the uh <laughs> we almost gave you the whole Billboard 200. <laughs> That's okay. And of course, we have to do the Artist 100. Um let me guess, is it going to be Brett Eldridge? At number one, I think he just released yeah. an album. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where he is, but he's not number one. Um, and of course, the formula, uh, radio airplay plus sales data, streaming data and social 50 activity. But also, if you release an album, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be up there on the I list. I guess country fans, they, they don't really stream and they don't know nothing about that social media. <laughs> <laughs> they were all in Charlottesville. Okay, stop. Oh, stop. 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 Flip stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one is Bruno Mars. Um, what may have helped is the release of his Versace on the floor um, yeah. video. Yeah. Number two. Works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, the uh, most influential artist in black music, Ed Sheeran. Uh, number three, the 2K legends, the Magic Dragons. <laughs> uh, number four, Kendrick Lamar. Number five, Sean Mendez. Debuting at number six, Brett Eldridge. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you release an album. You'll at least be in the top ten. You'll get you'll we'll, we'll put it. that. Yeah. You'll be in the top ten if you release an album. Um Number seven, the Nick Fury of pop music, DJ Khaled. Number eight, Charlie Puth. Number nine, Justin Bieber. And number 10, the guy who writes songs about Dusty Women, Sam Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm starting to wonder if Sean Mendez, if you can call him yet the, uh, the Canadian John Mayer. I was listening to his record and he sounds like he's trying to be the Canadian John Mayer. Hmm. I don't know yet. I'll give him another album. If he keeps doing it, like on his on the album cover, he's sitting in a chair in an old room holding um, <laughs> holding a Fender Strat. <laughs> and then he's got a song on the, on his album that's like, it's a deep cut. It's like very bluesy. It sounds like John Mayer. And I'm like, man, is he trying to be the so Canadian John So on Mayer? his next album, he's got to have um, some kind of specialty guitar, but he's also wearing Jordans. I could, yes. 
Yes, that would be that'd be his heavier things face. <laughs> I could totally see that. He'd be bigger than his body. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for our music news. Um all right, so yeah, I can't believe you're going to do this. It's babe. happening. It's happening. And I'll, I'll tell it. I'll say why. Okay, I'll say why. Ben, what is your earworm of the week? My earworm of the week, and I have to say, this is the first earworm I've ever had that annoyed the crap out of me. It's Despacito, and you got to play the Luis Fonzi version. Okay, so Justin not Bieber. the Bieber version. Okay. So, um, my girlfriend Kendra, that I mentioned on here um, fairly often, is a huge fan of reggaeton and bachita. And I hope bachata, I, bachata. See, she'd kill me if I said that. <laughs> she would like, she would totally correct me. She loves these types of music, um, and so this weekend we moved, and when we were unpacking stuff, um, she listened to a ton of reggaeton and bachata, 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 and um, every song started to sound the same to me, and she kind of got mad at me actually. I started singing instead of despacito. I would just put in like random like Doritos and like <laughs> Quesarito. Like I just started doing that because it sounded good to me. I wanted a Quesarito. Just reading the Taco Bell menu. <laughs> and she's like, is that something that Taco Bell came up with that I don't know about? So I go look up a Quesarito. Here <laughs> back I say Doritos, Quesarito. So remix that, Luis. <laughs> um, so for those who uh, are interested, uh, ben, to you, you, know, you might have to do this to make this up, make this up to her. Luis Fonzi will be playing at the Coca Cola Roxy on September twenty fourth. Oh man, I don't know if I want to go see <laughs> Every song will sound like Despacito to me. <laughs> like it'll just be, you know. Well, hold on, who's coming? Who else is coming? That's the only name I see here. Okay. Uh, that's the only name I see on the. Um, Let's see if they have because there's not many artists she likes enough to go see them live. Like ironically, one of the few artists she likes enough to go see live, I missed, and that was Hall and Oates. Like she loves Hall and Oates. <laughs> but like now, if you were to say like Luis Fonzi featuring special guest Alexis Ifito, yeah, um, she like she'd flip her mind. <laughs> well, as of right now, uh, only Luis Fonzi is listed on the bill, but I'm sure there'll be someone else. Um, yeah, I'd never heard yeah. of him before this song. Apparently, she knew who he was. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to play. So we'll play Despacito. This is the, the uh, I guess, the original version. Yeah. Just course. featuring Daddy Yankee, which uh, is the second most popular Louise Fonzie song. The most popular is the one with, the, with Justin Bieber <laughs> on it. Um, so we're going to play that. And, geez, we'll be right back. Tu, tu 
eres el imán y yo soy el metal Me voy acercando y voy armando el plan Solo con pensarlo se acelera el pulso Oh yeah, ya, ya me está gustando más de lo normal Todos mis sentidos van pidiendo más Esto hay que tomarlo sin ningún apuro Despacito Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito Deja que te diga cosas al oído Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo Despacito Quiero desnudarte a besos despacito Firma las paredes de tu laberinto Y hacer de tu cuerpo todo un manuscrito All right, that is Despacito, Luis Fonzi featuring Daddy Yankee. Yeah, I'm probably no Bieber on this one. Probably gonna hit up Taco Bell on the way home. <laughs> so I'm looking at pictures of Quesaritos. I know they don't make them anymore, but <sighs> they might be on the secret menu. Maybe. Maybe. Have you ever had a Quesarito? Yeah. Nah. You never have them at? Oh, they're good. Nah. Look, like, I haven't, I, I, um, I think I last went to Taco Bell, like, I feel like six months ago. Yeah, it's probably a few weeks ago. But I, like, I, every time <laughs> I see a Taco Bell, I think of that Jim Gaffigan bit. It's like, <laughs> when he said he worked today in a, in a Mexican uh, restaurant, yeah. and oh, then yeah. the people ask him, what's a tostada? Tortilla with cheese, meat, and vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> What's a burrito? Tortilla with cheese, meat, and vegetables. <laughs> um, that's what everything at Taco Bell looks like to me now. Um, mm, delicious. <laughs> but anyway, um, in the uh, the uh, you know the taco was invented in Erie, Pennsylvania. No, it wasn't. EPA. <laughs> Uh, but we started the show with the um, with a scene from a film called "That Thing You Do," and uh, it's a it's a documentary about a <laughs> great band from Erie, Pennsylvania, called the O'Neaters. <laughs> oh, Netters! Uh, oh, Netters! Excuse me, excuse me. It's oh, Netters! The, the wonders, the wonders, the wonders. <laughs> Um, I would have made that same mistake. I would have <laughs> yeah, because like I, oh, it looks like <laughs> I thought there was uh, for a while, like the first time I seen, I thought there was a hyphen between the E and D. You would, but there thought. wasn't. Yeah, he just put. Well, but when she originally wrote it in the notebook, it was hyphenated. I think. Yeah. And then whenever I, I guess they scrapped that in filming. So. Um. Yeah. Uh. 
my <laughs> so, um what I didn't realize, I felt like like that thing you do came out in like two thousand three or something. Oh, it was no. nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. this film was over twenty years old. Yeah. Yeah, I had this thing on VHS when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have it? Uh, at my parents' house, probably, but I, I definitely have it on DVD. That's for sure. The uh, director's cut. Oh God! Oh, I wanted to see that. It's um, interesting. Yeah. I watched the director's cut. There were a couple. There were a couple things that, uh, like, I don't remember this scene. This is one. Of, this is one of those additional scenes. Like, um, and I, I saw that when I was looking at. I was looking at looking for clips on YouTube from the film. I was looking for specifically the one the, the talent show scene that we started the show with. Um, I didn't know that Mr. White was written as a gay man. Yeah, that's what yeah. I read. Yeah, because Howie Long was in the movie <laughs> and they cut him out, and that was his uh, boyfriend slash driver. So, so uh, yeah, pro football Hall of Famer <laughs> and yep. a television sports uh, analyst Howie Long, he's <laughs> Mr. White's boyfriend. Uh, in a deleted scene, um, I, I feel like it was deleted because of I don't know if Howie Long felt like something was gonna um, it would have looked a certain way with him playing a, a gay character, even though they didn't. Do there was think? nothing. There was nothing really done, and it was really like implied, like you really had to be listening for it. Well, not really. You didn't have to listen too hard for it, but you, you well, kind of like, you know. It was when you look at those deleted scenes like you you get why they were deleted like they're really not necessary so yeah. it's just like the movie plays long if you watch the director's cut or if you watch the actual like theatrical release like it's perfect like it makes sense so yeah um and another thing i didn't know and i know we're kind of, we might be like jumping around here but um the I hadn't. I don't. I didn't. Well, I don't. I, I think this was this was a, an additional scene where um, guy calls the the jazz radio host played by Ron Howard's brother <laughs> and says that uh, um, he's like, "Do you remember me?" When because there was there is a scene. The scene is in the movie where they were at the jazz radio station, mm-hmm. and he says he was talking to. Del Paxton and Willie Walker and it's like could you record them like telling stories and then like somehow the engineer who was in the studio just arranges these mics very discreetly <laughs> quote unquote discreetly <laughs> and they're just talking and apparently they talked for hours because guy comes back to the hotel with like 30 tapes <laughs> um yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, he has a job at a radio station playing these tapes. So he gets to move out to California and live there because he made these tapes. It, it's very, it was very strange. And um, it makes sense that that scene was actually, like, cut because, <laughs> because it, 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 it happened too neatly for Guy already um, to where suddenly him and Faye are in love and you know they get they go back into the hotel yeah but it, that was just a weird way to end the movie to me I don't know about you Pat since you know you're a um uh with being a fan of the of the movie so we'll, we're gonna start at the end yeah. 
so, <laughs> uh, so with Guy and Faye, um, it, it was like they. It was kind of hard to see that like Guy was in love with Faye throughout the movie. Like there are little moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, but then it just the all like there's more of those moments. Like it it's like, it's little subtle things throughout yeah. the director's cut. So like it that cutting those scenes kind of hurt the end of it a little bit, but it still didn't kind of come out of nowhere to me. But I see what you mean by that because it's like it also doesn't feel right because you're used to seeing Faye and Jimmy and then all of a sudden it's guy it's like when uh, Joey was dating Rachel and friends it's like that doesn't feel (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah it was like like there were certain there was someone was like there was I don't know if it was an additional scene as well I I was uh, because the the version I watched I realized it was the director's cut but I wasn't sure exactly what the additional scenes were exactly Uh, but there was a scene where Guy first rehearses with the band. Yeah. And Faye comes in with some sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a very and, awkward. And, yeah. And there was a very weird exchange to that, like, I don't think this was in. <laughs> I don't think yeah, this was like, in. His movie. reaction toward, like, her was just, I was watching it and it's like, that, that's not, that seems like it was just an outtake and they just left it in the director's cut almost. But yeah. And I, th- I think it might have started there with her friendly back and forth. And then, because, like, throughout the movie, like, he's very protective of her all the time. Yeah. And even when he's drunk and, like, Tom Hanks' character is talking to him, like, you know, you know, talking about Jimmy and talking about Faye. Well, she's special, isn't he? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's special. And so, like, even drunk, he kind of lets on that he's... But I guess what, what kind of came, what kind of made it seem out of it was out of nowhere to me is that he's still trying to um, have some kind of contact with Tina. Mm. Like he's sending her pictures from yeah. the road, and she's just totally ignoring him because she found that dentist. And that that was in the extended cut, and in the actual movie, he left her uh, completely alone right after like the talent show like you never heard of tina again Hmm. and so they did a better job on the the theatrical version of like trimming that and getting her out of the movie completely and then guy you never saw him revert back to tina at least that i can remember so with the scene like at kind of like at the it, it was like really at the beginning where he's driving and he was supposed to meet tina somewhere yeah and then he followed her back to her. No, she followed him back to his apartment or something like that. Mm-hmm. Was that scene in the movie like in in his apartment? No, no, that that whole okay. thing. Like, so it basically was another playing his scene. drums right there, and like it fades out, and then like I think it's him upstairs doing the books or whatever, and his dad tells him like to come down. Basically, right after that. Like instead of him getting in the car and driving somewhere, it cuts immediately to him pulling up and hitting the bumper of that car, and it's the next day, and he's going back into work. So like that whole nighttime scene after the drum solo and like turning the neon sign off, like everything else doesn't happen. It's just it picks back up at the morning. Okay. Um, well, I, I okay. I thought there was that scene where they pass each other in the street in their cars, but I didn't remember that apartment scene. So I know that apartment scene had to, was no, additional, there, but a that scene was additional where, as well. Yeah, there was a scene. 
you might be thinking of when he's in the car with her after they win the talent show and then they pat or they pull up next to the other bandmates in the other car but he's in the car with her still after that but yeah that that scene where like they meet each other in the middle of the road that that's not in the theatrical okay i need to get this extended cut i'd heard about it but i had never you know gone out to find it like it, it answers some questions and like kind of like lets you on to like the I am Spartacus thing. Like it kind of like it yeah. makes that make a little more sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, in other ways, it kind of you see how like there could be some not plot holes or anything like that, but like just kind of continuity problems and like just the the tone of the movie is off with those scenes and like you really don't need the dentist thing you don't need like all you need to know is that she left him for the dentist Mm -hmm. and he's a young or he's a you know big attractive dude and that's all you need to know versus like all these extra scenes that are like show them painting the house together and like you don't need any of that (laughs) it's like or not the house but the the office yeah yeah um there was a uh yeah, the the I am Spartacus thing made sense with that a, a scene in his apartment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because that's he was saying that, but the, it made sense. But then it eventually did not make sense uh, because yeah. him saying they well, um, uh, in the in the uh, the director's cut for people who haven't seen it. Um, when guy is is driving after he closes the store. He passes Tina in there. So they're in their own cars in the middle of the road and they're supposed to go to a party. It sounds like. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I was on my way to, to go there. And he, he doesn't, he, I think he has no idea where he's supposed to be going. Yeah. Uh, so she just wants to go back to his place. And he says, okay, but if we go back to my place, I am going to make out with you. I was like, <laughs> She's going back to your place. Well, you know what? This is 1965. Um, these are different times. So, um, <laughs> but while they're while they're making out on the couch, uh, Spartacus is on TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and with him saying "I am Spartacus," that's like a turn on for her. Oh, so why is he saying it when they perform? <laughs> See, that's the thing. See, that's why it like it made sense then, but then it eventually does not make sense. Like, why is he still saying it? You're, you're not with yeah. Tina anymore. And it's also just probably topical of the time, like where we quote movies now. Like, he's probably doing it then, but like, yeah, without that, without that scene, that makes less sense in the movie. But also, it's an unnecessary scene for the most part. So it's like, you know. <laughs> They're probably just like, hey, you know, we can either elaborate on the Spartacus thing or just leave it alone and keep going with the movie. Um, There were some parallels to some things that happened in music history. Uh, uh, What was the original drummer's name? I know the actor's name is Giovanni Ribisi, but it was uh, Chad. Chad. So, uh, uh, guys, uh, Chad fell down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Chad was the 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 Pete best of the group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it it, re- it reminded me of like like Chad is uh well if you've seen the Temptations miniseries he's Al. <laughs> Where for just some reason he he was there at the beginning and then just wasn't <laughs> and then just wasn't. 
Well, but, like, you know, was, he, uh, he goes to work in, was, a, in, a, in an appliance store rather than, you know, sitting at a bar drinking himself to death. Yeah. Um, but uh, that scene was, <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, how did, because um, I know like he was in the band and he had broken his arm, but I forgot the, uh, that scene had was in the movie where he broke his arm, right? Above the parking meter. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that sets up the whole like, like guy coming in, and like there's a lot of Beatles parallels in the movie. Period. I, I think more so than any other band, probably. But I mean, like Guy was even modeled after. I think it was Jimmy Nickel who was replaced Ringo Starr on tour for like one tour or a couple years or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember what happened to Ringo, but like that's what they modeled Guy after. And I think. Uh, Mr. White was supposed to be Brian Epstein and Epstein was gay. So that's why they wrote him gay, but you didn't know that unless you saw the director's cut. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, I think the Beatles, who was their original bass? I think I read somewhere that both the Beatles and the wonders lost their original bass player. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and original drummer, obviously, because Pete Best was the original one. But then that Careful Girls, He's Engaged thing with uh, Jimmy, that was John Lennon. That happened to him on Ed Sullivan, where like it said, sorry, girls, he's married at the the caption. So that happened to him. Okay, I remember and hearing I, that, actually. Yeah, and then that thing that happened to Faye, where she was, uh, she was like trying to go with them like through the mob of people, and she got stopped. Um by security trying to, you know, cause they thought she was a fan and that happened to John Lennon's wife. So like that was, there's a couple of things that kind of got taken from the Beatles, uh, life and put into that. But so in a way that it's kind of like, um, it's kind of written away how, uh, another fictional about, about another fictional group, the five heartbeats mm-hmm. was loosely based on, well, several Motown artists, but the temptations, and I think the Spinners and the Four Tops. So basically a lot of Motown groups in the 60s and 70s. So mm-hmm. um, that was kind of And Almost Famous as well. That was a Cameron Crowe's account from working with several bands. So like yeah. there's a lot of things that actually happen that are referenced in that movie. Just kind of pieced together. Right, right. Um, so... Um, all right, so now we can kind of go through through the whole film again. Um, so, <laughs> um, who would, did you have a favorite character? Oh uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Who's that? Yeah. Uh, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve Zahn was like, I mean, it's still his moments in the movie are still like they still make me laugh. He, he was time. a scene stealer. Yeah, yeah. It's a play told record, man. <laughs> but like even like saving Silverman, like I just like anything he does. But like I, I feel like his character in this movie is just it was a hundred percent necessary, and they got the exact right person to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. He had some. Um, <laughs> what am I? What, uh, I was trying to find the. Um, see if it was on the IMDb quotes, but when they're. Uh, when they're at the when they're doing the jazz when they're at the jazz radio station they're like who are your influences oh and yeah he says Captain Trek <laughs> or the 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 scene where like they're being interviewed at the state fair and he's talking about oh I'm not with these guys I'm here to for the pig pig competition I'm gonna win with that blue ribbon <laughs> I'm gonna win that blue ribbon oh yeah um and 
there was another scene where um where they're where they're at where they're about to form, perform in the Hollywood showcase mm-hmm. and Jimmy's throwing up <laughs> and he and Liddy just comes in. He's just making it worse. He's like, "Are you nervous? Because we're going to perform on national television." <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting here reading the quotes. Thank you, Illinois, the land of Lincoln. <laughs> oh man, uh, he's the only person to call guys Skitch. Skitch, yes, that's what he used to Make say. Say Skitch. Skitch is yeah. like, puts on the sunglasses. He's like, "These are these are your thing." I like and I like that. Like. Uh, I just, uh, and I guess, Tom, and that's what makes Tom Hanks my favorite character in the movie. Close second to Jimmy, even though I feel like Jimmy's kind of the villain. But like, Mr. White is just like, he's so serious. He's just like, he, like, despite everything, like, even when he's saying, like, it, he's like, uh, what if they want an encore? You do not get an encore. You bow and you get off stage. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just so serious. I love yeah, he was, him. Yeah, he's, he's so very, like, He knows what works. Yes. Like, he's like, this is the formula. You play by that. Yeah. And we'll both make a lot of money. Like, he's in it for, you know, reasons other than, like, well, we're doing it for the fans. He's like, no, you unplug and you run off the yeah. stage. I yeah. love it. He gives him the shades. He's like, that's your thing. Like, it's just... Yeah, like he's he's uh, crafting their image yeah. right away. You know, he's he know he knows how to sell a pop act. Yeah, and he sells a pop act. It's yeah. awesome. Um, and so, the, like, I wasn't even thinking that he was modeled after Brian Epstein, uh, and it was fine that the with the scene with with the boyfriend it was cut because I felt like we didn't need to know a backstory with Mister White. I felt like it, no. it was kind of, it was unnecessary. Like we see who he is and what his job is, and he knows what works, mm-hmm. and that's what his and character that is supposed like, to be. I think learning too much about him weakens the character a little bit. It's right? Like he's yeah. kind of like yeah. this mysterious guy, so just leave him at that. Like you don't know anything about him; you just know he's this powerful guy in the business. And like the only time like he's weakened at all is like when you he takes him to meet Saul Seiler and it's like, okay, so he's got a boss. So like, he's not like the head honcho. He's got somebody over him. But like, other than that, like he's, he's a, he's a mysterious guy. You don't know anything about him. And that's what makes him good in this movie. And when Jimmy goes up to him and he's like, Hey, I just, I wanted to talk to you about playing some of our new songs, (laughs) some of our other songs. We've got other ideas. It's like, like, what is this? Are you getting Fabian away from me? <laughs> <laughs> Eating a sandwich. I love that. Rest in peace, Salsa. Uh, I think he think he died a couple years ago. Uh, what was weird about that is, um, I guess, oh, because you know it is Los Angeles, and a, the tabloids is a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, a record executive having all these photographers asking him th- these questions. Mm-hmm. Like, were you hanging out with this person? It did, like, they were like, it was like what, well, what TMZ is now, yeah. but you wouldn't expect that for a guy that, uh, uh, I guess without the internet, it would be weird to, to, it was just weird to see that this guy is such a big deal yeah. that, you know, that he's such a big deal to where he has paparazzi, um, at his place of business, which is weird enough that like they were on the inside. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's also one of my yeah. least favorite scenes too. And I don't know if that's the reason why, but that makes total sense. Cause you wouldn't have that 
like the, I don't even think like I, I can't imagine who the most famous record executive is like but there's no need to have that had a big personality like that yeah yeah um, but that is one of my favorite bloopers though because uh, um, if you, it's during that scene and it's the the Asian guy that's asking Saul like something about I saw you at uh, Chains with Suzanne Pochette and then he looks into what you think is the camera to take the shot but he actually looks into the flash of the camera so he's actually not looking at him at all in any kind of viewfinder he's looking into the back of the flash and takes the shot but I always love that blooper right there um, there's a uh, I guess my, my favorite character is, would be um, the bass player TV <laughs> just for the, the fact that he I don't know if it was his name supposed to be TB player or like, did no one know his name? That's what I was confused uh, about. Well, they just, I, I, I think I heard it was like something about them just making a reference to like the bass player is the least known person in the band. So yeah. they just weren't yeah. going to give him a name. <laughs> but then like, I read something about like him, like they, they asked him if like, if he actually had a name, he said he made up a name for him. I can't remember what it was. It was like, was it Tobias or something? I don't know. It might have been Tobias, but like he made up a backstory for him just because there wasn't one. But yeah, they, <laughs> I think they did it on purpose because nobody knows the bass player in any band. Really. <laughs> that's what that's what I thought. Like, okay, that that's that's uh, that's why I thought like, okay, his name is TB Player and he's the bass player, so it's just a coincidence. But no <laughs> one ever called him by name nope. in the movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like I like that joke there, and he was, um, yeah, he 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 just he was just there. He, he was kind of in the background, <laughs> you know. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the black guy in teen movies, yeah, like uh, like in not another teen movie. All I did here is standing in the background, stay out of the conversation, <laughs> um, and then join the Marines. Um, yeah, he started doing push-ups. Like he just. <laughs> But like, yeah, because he, well, he was like a little puppy dog, so it's like it was yeah. a perfect thing. Like, oh, do some push-ups, and of course he's going to sit down and do two hundred of them. <laughs> um, and it, well, the, I guess the the thing is that, um, what was interesting about him is that he was already joining the Marines. He had already made up his mind. You know, he had bought the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. like, he was already doing this no matter what happened yeah. with this yeah. band. Like, everything happened so fast. Like, he already had a plan. And while um, Lenny is just along for the ride, well, I think Lenny and Jimmy were along. For, Lenny and Guy were along for the ride. Um, and I think things were just getting, were were moving along faster than expected for Jimmy. Like he he had all these if he has all these songs and all these ideas this is what he wants to do yeah as far as Lenny goes hey it's just there he he and Jimmy are friends yeah let's let's do that and then with Guy um he's yeah I think he's kind of in that same boat as Lenny as far as you're just along for the ride mm-hmm. while yeah I yeah. think Jimmy was like he was one of the, like the maybe like the I don't know like where indie music originated, but it seemed like he was more in that vein where it was like, I'm about the music. I want to record all these records. 
And Mr. White's like, nah, we're going to tour. That's where the money is. Yeah. You can ride this song forever and be a one-hit wonder. Ah, we have a title. <laughs> the Wonders. <laughs> a very common tale. Yeah. Um, yes. So... I think with yeah, I kind of see Jimmy as like this. Yeah, he's kind of an indie kind of guy. You know, they're they're literally a garage band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to be a ballad. It's supposed to be a ballad. Yeah. <laughs> so I always I've always felt the feeling that Jimmy O's guy. Like yeah. if Jimmy, if guy doesn't speed that song up, no one's gonna listen. No to one that. hears that song. No one's gonna listen to that thing you do because it's slow and it's boring. And but is Jimmy that kind of personality that doesn't see it that way? He's like, I would have made it anyway, you know. <laughs> but I was gonna make it fast, but you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think he would have said that that he was gonna make it fast. Hmm. Um, I, th- I oh, think I mean, he, like, he might have taken made credit it for it anyway, not made it fast, but he just oh yeah, we would just made it as an artist anyway. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need you to make it fast. I didn't need a happy mistake. Yeah, it would have it would have been a hit as a ballad. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I think if if it had stayed if it had stayed a ballad, the band would have broken up and he would have been playing that song in coffee shops, <laughs> wearing a black turtleneck. So <laughs> play the song at that same slow speed. I think, and this is just an idea, and we can email it to Tom Hanks. Make a sequel to this, but make it a documentary. And it's called like you know basically like it'll be called that the, thing we did that thing we did or just <laughs> the wonders and it's like you know where are they now and you inter- you interview each person and be like man and like I could just see a scene of Jimmy in the coffee shop playing that thing you do and other songs. Well, you gotta you gotta go by you know if it's years later you gotta go by how the you know the little um, the little uh, blurbs at the end. Oh yeah. yeah. So Jimmy started Jimmy another band, the herdsman. So the herdsman. The herdsman. I could have moved from plural herdsman to single herdsman, and he's in a coffee shop. <laughs> the herdman. <laughs> but it said he became a, a record producer living in California. I always yeah. want to see. And this would also be the '80s if we did it now. So yeah, could have sweet hair. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. I actually. could totally see. Yeah, it just or hell, don't even make it a documentary. Just make it a movie. Call it the Wonders. And just about how they re like they do a reunion tour. They did a uh, earlier this year. They did a yeah. um, uh, well, three of them. I think uh, Steve Zahn was probably was he working on a movie because he was the one that wasn't there. Uh, he lives in Kentucky, so he wasn't. I guess either wi- I don't think he was willing to come out for it, but I don't think he was filming anything. They just said that it was because he lives in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, so someone filled in for him. Because <laughs> uh, I did see, um, I follow uh, uh, Ethan Embry's wife, Sonny Mabry, um, who, even though I, I know of her like Vine and stuff, she was in the second Triple X, the one with Ice Cube. She oh, was Charlie. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she was in that. Um, but she she's married to Ethan Embry, who played TV player, uh, <laughs> and she had an Instagram video of him like watching the movie and playing the song, uh, like practicing playing the song. <laughs> and did they play? Did they play their own instruments? I, I know, like there was one on I saw that, that not on the recording. No, yeah, I saw that. Um, 
I think it like, said Steve Zahn could play guitar. Yeah, and yeah, Steve Zahn and uh, Tom uh, Everett Scott could play drums, but he had he had to like. I mean, he could he could kind of play, but he was supposed to be. But Guy Patterson is supposed to be like this yeah, amazing played. jazz influenced drummer. Yeah, yeah. They made them all take lessons, and they actually had them like practice together as a band for weeks before filming, just so they would look like a band. You know, yeah. they know what they're doing. But like Jonathan Shake, he didn't play guitar in the least bit. So, and I, kind of, I knew I knew for sure when I saw it, like, okay, that's not him singing. There's no <laughs> way that's him singing at all. <laughs> no, that's the dude from. Uh, actually, I did look this up. Um, he. Uh, I don't think he was in a band. Like I know the, I mean the bassist of Fountains of Wayne wrote the song, but right. Uh, the guy that sang it is a producer, and he. Um, I don't know if you know that song uh, Harlem by New Politics, but oh, he, it says uh, that song. Mike yeah, he, Mike Viola of the yeah, Candy Butchers. Yeah, he co-wrote that song, so like he's still doing relevant stuff. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's the guy that actually sang the song. Um. Wait, did he also? I like that song, Harlem. That's a really good song. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, you said uh, Adam Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne wrote that thing you do. He also wrote. Did he write all my only dreams? And um, um I think no, he, he did wrote- not. Actually, he only wrote that thing you do. Yeah, because he won. They it, wanted a okay. contest. Yeah. Um, and he nominated for an Oscar and Golden Globe for that. Um, he didn't win. See, who did he lose to? <laughs> That's what he's. I'm trying to find um, out. You must love me, from Evita. Yep. Mm. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else was nominated that year. Um, uh, I finally found someone by Brian Adams and Barbara Streisand uh, for the first time by Kenny Loggins, and because you loved me, written by. Hold on, because you by Diane Warren. Yes, my girl. <laughs> So I think he lost because he was the least known of that group. <laughs> um, and Stacy's mom probably didn't help. <laughs> but this was before Stacy's mom, though. Oh, it was. Yeah. That's right. 96, yeah. Um, that was his comeback. <laughs> as far as the rest of the soundtrack, uh, well, I, w- <laughs> I wanted to know if you noticed this, uh, Matt. What's telling Ben is that um, I said well, my, my favorite song in the soundtrack is actually Mr. Downtown, uh, uh, yeah. which Price is Price really Price. just uh, <laughs> the Peter Gunn theme with lyrics. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, what did you think of the uh, do you think more could have been made of the uh, Tom Hanks is one of the co-writers of Mr. Downtown. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> do you think more could have been made of the other characters they were touring with because I know they were like background characters supposed to be about this band you know uh, there was a little bit that uh, you know TB player hooked up with one of the Chanterlings um, yeah. 
And <laughs> that was a funny scene where guy just comes into his room. He's like, hey, look at the charts over here. And then he just like looks over. Uh-huh. He's yeah. her in the bed and he just like leaves and he's like right yeah. before he leaves he just like shakes his hand <laughs> yeah, that was another director's cut little gym right there oh that was for the director's cut oh yeah I thought that it was, was yeah <laughs> um yeah I thought I thought that was pretty funny but um you know I thought more could have been made uh of the I guess the interaction with the other artists I think something more could have been made of like did Jimmy sleep with Diane Dane? You took the words right out of my mouth. I wanted <laughs> yeah, to see I don't, more. I don't know. Like that. I, I mean, I've wondered the same thing, but like at the same time, like I think the way that they portrayed those other characters, like Freddie Fredrickson and uh, Diane Dane, like they kind of put them as these, you know, we've been around the block a time or two. Like, you know, we don't really have that kind of time to sit down and talk to you kind of thing. Like Freddie kind of humored him for a minute and then eventually walked off when he found that they were super fans. But like, you know, they kind of made it to where they were not approachable so that they wouldn't have to go too deep into what they're all about. But yeah, the Diane Dane thing, I, I, I did wonder that myself because that looked like it was possible, but yeah, yeah. I wonder if Tom Hanks knows. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought, like, what what could have been made of that is if because well, maybe it was a, it was that might have been a director's cut scene where Diane Dane is rehearsing and then she goes sits on Jimmy's lap. That was in the theatrical because I've seen that scene. Yeah, okay. that's what makes me yeah. wonder. Okay, that's what that like something could have been made of that. Or maybe it should have, or maybe it could have been like maybe it was that in Pittsburgh where Jimmy should have dumped Faye, mm-hmm. but then uh, maybe it was supposed to be. Um, <laughs> I was thinking like, okay, maybe maybe someone if someone was paying attention to something like that, maybe they would predict it. Oh, Faye and Guy are going to fall in love in a matter of minutes yeah. <laughs> because Jimmy did not dump her in Pittsburgh. If he had dumped her in Pittsburgh, guy and Faye doesn't happen. Yeah. And see that, that's, that's funny. Cause like that, I, I don't know what just made me think of that now, but you said that line, like I should have dumped you in Pittsburgh. Like I've always loved that line, but now that I think about it, it's like when you look at the movie, nothing happened in Pittsburgh to warrant anything. Like they didn't right. fight. So it's like, I guess I get, what guy was saying, like, why didn't you dump her in Pittsburgh? But like it, I don't like they were really never having problems in the movie. Like, yeah, but in it the did, director's cut, there was a couple things, but like nothing like that would be like, you know, why Pittsburgh? Cause that's like at the front of the movie practically. Yeah. Uh, what's weird is that, um, it did seem like a one sided relationship. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it never seemed like Jimmy, like paid attention to anything Faye did. Yeah, it took it for granted. She thought he was amazing, and he just did not. She's there. Yeah, she's, exactly. She's background furniture. So yeah, she, she makes sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> oh my god! Title. <laughs> she makes sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. um, That's her title card. Works at Subway. Sandwich artist. <laughs> she took what she was good at, and she ran with it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, like, yeah, it was definitely one sided. Um, and, 
I, it's so okay. Another thing with this guy and Faye falling in love in a matter of minutes. What is Lamar's shift at the hotel? What, what was his shift? I think he's always. The, I think he's the door guy. But what what's what are his hours? Because when they got there in the afternoon, he was there. <laughs> When a guy got drunk at the jazz club and he's brought back to the hotel at like two, three in the morning, he's right. Lamar is there. <laughs> when they check out of the hotel at twelve and at twelve noon, Lamar is there. That's a valid point. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. He's loves his job. Maybe he's always upbeat, so maybe he's on drugs. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> it is LA, California. <laughs> Cocaine. I mean, surely they have two guys at least <laughs> that they bring in and out. To, but like, it's weird because like he's like, this is my hotel. I got movie stars in my hotel, but like you're the bellhop. Like <laughs> you work at the front. Head like, bellhop. Head bellhop. <laughs> Shut up. He was the bellhop. I was thinking he was the manager. Oh, I don't think he is. He's wearing a bellhop uniform. No, if he was the manager, he would be inside. Or maybe like the concierge or something like that, but like. But he's black, so he has to be outside. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's all about the uniform. I don't think a manager of a hotel wears that. I think I I think a manager wears that shirt, suit and tie. Yeah. Um, But he would. But every time, every scene in front of the hotel, he's right there, and he knows where everything is in L.A. Come on, he's he. I think he was a. Uh, oh, that was a Bill Hops uniform. Okay. Maybe he's a. I don't know if he's a figment of someone's imagination. Because <laughs> he was there. Jimmy Cricket. He's Jimmy Cricket. I think it just Jimmy came down Cricket. to. Like, we don't want to pay another guy in this movie. Like, he decided he would work for scale. We got him at a deal. So, we're just going to. We're just going to take this guy and run with it, and we don't care what time of day or night it is. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, all different times of day, <laughs> he's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he knew where everything was. Um, I mean, it was, it was also nice to notice that uh, Tom Hanks had his family involved yeah. and some old oh, yeah. friends. Uh, his his wife is played Margarita, the, yep. uh, the cocktail waitress. His son was a uh, his son. Colin Hanks was the one who escorted Faye into the TV studio. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the guy who played uh, Lizzie McGuire's dad. Oh, snap. Who was he? Um, he was the host of the Hollywood Showcase. Oh, OK. OK. I had to think about that for a second. It's, it's- I never saw it. Lizzie McGuire. Um, what is it? Peter, Peter Scolari. OK, that was him, wasn't it? Um, Brian Cranston played Gus. <laughs> yeah, those. Yeah. Uh, there was a scene like that had to be. It had to be another director's cut scene to where after the show, uh, Tom Hanks hands Gus Grissom the phone, like to to talk to Guy's family. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, th- this is just say hi. Uh, hi. This is Gus Grissom. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's, I feel like that happened. If that would. That happening to celebrities, that has happened to every, like, celebrity at least once. Like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> like, just say hello. Like, uh, how are you going to prove that, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm talking to them? Um, uh, okay, we talked about Clint Howard already. Kevin Pollack as Boss Vic Koss. Mm. Um, Hit me. 
very fancy dressing room um, at this uh, regular theater in the middle of Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> he was very yeah. Well, they were started off the directors because they started off in his dressing room and then yeah. got kicked into the. That's what I room. saw. Yeah. yeah. I just keep thinking, like, he was very, I don't know, he just seemed very small time. <laughs> just, I, I remember, yeah, Your I remember boss. him now, yeah. like, yeah, he was just so, like, yeah. Well, he's, like, he's a local radio guy, so yeah. it's, like, you know, they know him in town, and he's big nowhere else, but, like, I, I think back then radio DJs were bigger celebrities than yeah, we look was, at people now. He was the Alan Freed of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> the Rick D's of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, what else did we um, see? And okay, so Bill Cobbs, yeah, Bill Cobbs is Del Paxton. Del Paxton, the Del Paxton. <laughs> Every time I see Bill Cobbs, I think of the uh, he was in, he was the coach. Well, he was the janitor, then coach in Airbud. Oh God, <laughs> was he? It's been years since I've seen uh, Airbud. But the, every time I see Bill Combs, I think of the scene in Airbud where um, uh, I forget the kid's name, the 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 boy in, in Airbud. But he uh, he thought he thought he recognized him as this you know former basketball player, this mm-hmm. former NBA player, and he's like, "Oh no, that's not me." He's like, "Okay," and then he leaves, and then he's like looking at his his old basketball cards, and he has a card of who he thought it was, and then he looks in the gym, and he sees him <laughs> like dribbling the basketball, going behind his back, and then he tries to dunk. He missed the dunk. <laughs> they left that in the move. I like. I know it's not Bill Collins <laughs> trying to dunk, <laughs> but they could have at least had a shot of him actually making it. They had him missing the dunk. They left that in the movie. <laughs> so every time I see Bill Cobbs, I see that guy missing that dunk. <laughs> um, oh, I need to see that now. <laughs> it's been years since I've seen Air Bud. I think I saw it once, and I was just like, eh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> for, uh, for me, he, he always makes me think of Demolition Man. I haven't seen Demolition Man. Oh, I've never seen it. I haven't either. Yeah. Yeah, All I know is Wesley Snipes' haircut inspired Dennis Rodman's haircut that year. Oh, I can see that. When he played for the Spurs. Yeah. Kind of looks like uh, Dennis Shooter a little bit. Yeah. But Dennis Shooter just has that little like streak. Mm-hmm. That blonde streak. I feel like that might have inspired. I saw some kid coming at a Best Buy with that now. I guess kids are doing that now. Oh, with the little streak? Yeah. Yeah. And he looked like he came from a good family, so I'm surprised to let him do that. <laughs> That's an that's an odd thing. If they're modeling after Dennis Schroeder, I would pick a better basketball player to model yeah. your hair after. Yeah, I mean, there are several rappers they could have said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be weird. It's more. It would be, I would feel more comfortable if it was like a rapper they saw with like the hair like that. Yeah, no, not not <laughs> like XXX Tentacion. Oh, I call XXX Extension Cord. Um. Matt, did you have a least favorite character in the movie? Um, I don't know if I had a least favorite character. I mean, like, there's people I I think that didn't do not that they didn't do a. Gr- Actually, I do have a least favorite character. It's Tina. 
<laughs> I just I don't I don't think she was good in the movie. Um, I don't know who I would cast in place of her, but that might be my least favorite. Um, just kind of all of her lines fall flat a little bit. I mean, like there's there's bad actors in every movie, but like I mean, I'm sure she, you know I haven't seen a lot of what she's done, and I know like she's you know pretty well known for being a good actress now, but I think that was her first movie role. So, I mean, that, that might explain some of the awkwardness, but that, that's part of the reason why they, the director's cuts, not my favorite thing to watch all the time. Like I do watch this movie probably once a month, every other month, okay. maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Definitely whenever it's on TV and then like, I just pop it in cause it's one of those that I can watch all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the director's cut has her in it a lot more and I can do with a lot less of her character, but, um, yeah, so I, I, I guess she would be my least favorite, but I I mean, there's a couple people who aren't that great in the movie, but like, you know, uh, guys, parents, but like they still have their <laughs> moments in the movie. Like I like, I like his dad a little bit when he gets all worked up over the newspaper and stuff, but like, <laughs> Yeah. Like over what some other store is doing, yeah. Like he's like, yeah, just uh, yeah, we're just gonna put that in the <laughs> yeah. trash. <laughs> um, I wasn't well. The thing, I guess, the thing with Tina with me is like, I wonder how she, how did her and Guy meet? I mean, that 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 like, it's I know that's not in the movie, Perry. but that would be something that like, how did these people? Because they don't seem compatible, really. Or like they would ever have met no, like the he's same like thing. This, <laughs> yeah. They simply had nothing in common. Yeah, he's like this dude who's like into jazz and like, you know, wears earth tones and <laughs> works in an appliance shop. And, you know, she likes pink things and wears dresses. And, you know, you see her doing her hair in her bedroom. Like, you know, she's just kind of like a, a girly girl. Maybe and she came into the appliance I, shop one day with her father. Yeah, I, I would like to know how they cross paths. If they just, there's got to be some fan fiction out there that's figured this out. But well, like know. how, um, I don't know if it, w- it was probably Lenny who probably called him like Erie's resident beatnik. Um, oh yeah, lone beatnik. Yeah, <laughs> wears turtlenecks, yeah. Um, black turtlenecks specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I didn't see anything in common between Tina and Guy. Um, so I think you could probably see early on, like, okay, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. So this isn't going anywhere between, they're going to break up for some reason. And um, maybe he knew it too. Cause like, I mean, like, it, it, well, I guess in the theatrical cut, like, you know, like once she leaves, like he drops her, but like, even like when they were playing that one show and like, he found out Chrissy Tompkins was there. Like he was like Chrissy Tompkins. Like he got like excited about it. And then, you know, kind of, Oh yeah, I have a girlfriend kind of thing. Like he wasn't like all into it either. So yeah, I and I wasn't sure how how old guy was. I felt like he was the oldest guy in the band. Um, yeah, but I, I feel, feel like, like he was he maybe was, a year or two older than everybody else. Yeah, he's like the guy after after high school who just stayed in town. Or did he go? Yeah. To, no, he was in. He was in the. He was in the. Was he in the Marines? I know he was in the military. Yeah. That, I know, well, as for, according um, to one scene, he was in the military, and then he came back home. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, but I he, think he, that, that was a deleted or a extended cut, too. 
Yeah, where he talks to Dell. I know he when he was him being a couple of years older than everybody, but yeah, I know it was a scene where he was he was talking to Dell at the bar, and it came to where he he listened to his records while he was um, stationed in Germany. Stationed That's in Germany. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that actually was in the theatrical. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but so he came back home, but there was still the vibe of he's the guy after high school who didn't go anywhere. He just like stayed in town. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He went to, he was in the military. He went to Germany, but he, he, it's just a feeling that he just came back home, stayed in town and he goes to all the high school parties. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it seemed like he was he was the older oldest guy in the band, and it, and and to for it to be for to hear that okay he, when he was stationed in Germany, uh, it made me think of um, Matt. Are you familiar with the band Heatwave? Uh, a little bit. Um, the uh, the members of Heatwave they all well the the um, the the two lead singers I guess. They're, they're brothers and they were both in the army and stationed in Germany. And then they the met a couple band, of right? the, yeah, they okay. met a couple of the other members of the group in Germany or throughout Europe. Um, even though Heat Wave is considered a, uh, a black funk band, it was really more like international than anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they like, it would seem like there was a lot of, um, uh, musicians the aspiring musicians who were in the military and then they got out of the military and they're still in their mid 20s okay we're going to stay here and do this music thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just what that reminded me of is that you know it's always someone in germany <laughs> and they end up once they get out of the army they stay in germany and then they end up uh starting a band <laughs> um but yeah, guy, guy still had the yeah. He was still the old guy at the high school party kind of thing to me. Well, it's even like how old were the other people? Because like everybody is out of high school, and I, I, I've always pictured them as being like either college age or just out of college, like maybe like mid twenties, and then guy was maybe like closer to thirty, maybe you know. Yeah. But like to where they were, they still knew each other and still knew he was a drummer just from being around town and kind of in the scene, or maybe like he was a senior while they were freshmen and like they were aware, like, I, I, I don't know. I always try to imagine it, but I did look up the ages of everybody. And I think was it Steve Zahn is the oldest out of all of them. Actually, he would, did not seem to be the oldest in the movie. No. Yeah. He's, he's 49 <laughs> now. And Tom Everett Scott is 46. Jonathan shake is 47. And Ethan Embry is 39. Hmm. So that puts Ethan Embry at like he was, 18, like 18, 19. Yeah. No wonder he seemed like a puppy. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Papa George. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so, yeah, it's like, I think he, well, I, well, I think Guy Skirt's supposed to be the oldest, but maybe he was in his mid twenties. If he was like out of the army, you know, mm-hmm. honorable discharge, or was he injured somewhere or something like that? I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I felt like maybe the, the other characters were right out of. I felt like they were supposed to be like right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the summer before they're supposed to go to college. They want to try but with TV it. player, he's going into the Marines instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was that talent show at a college, though. Yes. 
Okay, so that's what because I, I always thought like they're playing it at the college, but did they all not go to college or are they out of college or not? Like, I, I always had a weird time like figuring if they were go, about to already in college, decided not to go to college, or just out. Like I could never figure that out based on that one thing. But, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. The, I, I, well, I guess ultimately it didn't matter. Yeah. That is one of those things that the, nah. it's a whole yeah. movie that it, I guess it doesn't exactly matter. Yeah. Um, because it would also like part of that whole in the movie would be like, you know, I know this is the sixties and there's supposed to be a point to where you either meet your, your future wife in high school mm-hmm. or in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Jimmy oh, met Faye in high school, then, you know, if they were supposed to get married or, you know, if they're together or whatever, you know, it, that the so I was kind of also like where did how old is Faye? Yeah, in well, this as well. Faye was saying because uh, Mr. White asked how long they've been together, and she said two and a half years. So if they were high school sweethearts, then two and a half plus whatever year. So they couldn't be more than twenty. They could they couldn't be more than twenty. Right. I mean, they were drinking beer, but I think drinking age back then was eighteen. So that's still, but yeah. Based on yeah, what you just said right there, plus what she said, maybe that puts them around twenty-ish. Yeah, um, I mean, because they're not yeah. living with their parents. Or maybe they are, but they didn't go into like you know we're going on tour. We have to ask our parents. Like yeah, they, they just kind of like got them. Yeah, they just it, got. You know? Yeah, they just went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They practice in a garage. Whose garage is that? <laughs> the the only person. Well, based on a deleted scene now that I know. Um, uh, if I saw, if I just saw the, the actual version, I would have thought a guy lived in the basement of the <laughs> store. <laughs> uh, but in the director's cut, he had his own apartment at least. <laughs> um, yeah, I always pictured him being in the ba- the like honestly before the director's cut, I, I thought he was his drums were in the basement and he lived up above the store, <laughs> and then like all he had to do was go down and turn the lights off, which. May yeah, still be the case. I, I don't too. know, but yeah. like, well, actually, that no, actually, because like they showed his apartment. So that that office that he was in was probably up above the store, and the drums yeah. might have been in the basement. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah that, his apartment, I, I, the drums were in the basement. Things. That's where I thought he lived. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought he lived yeah. there too. <laughs> um, Just living with the rats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but as you, uh, you know, you guys can chime in on this. Um, oh, see, every time the open headphone is near the mic. Okay. Um, with Chris Isaac as Uncle Bob, uh, mm-hmm. doing the recording in the church. Mm-hmm. With the hand claps. <laughs> with the hand claps. Um, should should the recording have sounded that good? I think it would have sounded a lot boomier being that it's a tall ceiling mm-hmm. and I, I mean, it would probably have a lot of reverb on it. You could probably actually throw it like, I mean, now with like the EQ settings that are out there, you could take that thing you do on the album and just press like large hall and, and probably what like. hear what it should have sounded like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way it would have sounded that good. And while we're talking about recording as a drummer, it bothers me every time I watch this movie how every time you see anybody playing live music, the drums are never mic'd up. Even on those outdoor fair shows, <laughs> there's not point. one mic they were not. on any of the drums. 
so like that like you could hear the snare drum probably or the cymbals but like yeah not yeah no none of the drums were mic'd in any of the scenes in that movie was anything else it didn't seem like anything was mic'd I think the guitars were mic'd I can't remember yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's just the one thing I always focused on, and I was like, why are there no microphones? Because <laughs> I think it's like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, there's a uh, the band singing at the end of that, or one of the scenes, and like they're singing into a microphone that's a, you know, it's a, it's not a wireless mic, but there's no cord plugged into it, and it's like a, it's a Shure SM57, but like there's no cord plugged in, so I like immediately just focus on that, and. You know, I know it's not on a wireless mic, so then it ruins that scene for me because I can't not think of it that way. But. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't see any instruments mic'd except yeah. their voices. <laughs> think, think about it. <laughs> uh, uh, it's they're Millie Vanillying the whole thing. Oh so. man. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the? Um, uh, I well, well, based on the uh, when we talked about the the sample this documentary and with like session musicians, like the place to be was LA Mm -hmm. to be a session Mm -hmm. musician. Um, the wrecking crew. It seemed like the, the guy who survived the best as far as continuing to be a musician aside from Jimmy was Wolfman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's basically like, I was a session musician too. Who guy. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 But, I mean, Wolfman. He that that was his gig. Like, yeah, you know, that's I mean, what that's he's what essentially what one of like the Wrecking Crew guys. Like, just comes in, plays bass on every album. And <laughs> he was a cartoon. He was a hired gut. Like, yeah, yeah. they're like, I was <laughs> with like when seeing that again. Like, like, do, can you handle our tune? Like, oh yeah, no, I love that. I, like they, he plays and they just they right, anyway back to what we were doing. They totally underestimate. Um, you know, I Jimmy and Lenny uh, underestimate other musicians that mm-hmm. they worked with. They they didn't they didn't know how good guy actually was, mm-hmm. and they, they because they're like oh it took Chad a week to learn that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then with Wolfman uh, like. Okay, I know I, I I don't play the bass. I have one. It's still in my parents' basement. But mm-hmm. uh, I figured that you know, if you're a seasoned musician, yeah, that song is not hard to play. No, no, um, it's, it's quarter notes, you know, and maybe a couple runs here and there. Well, at least the ballad version was quarter notes. Let's see. I don't know. It's kind of a running bass, like a not a really a walking bass line, but yeah. I mean, it, it moves a little bit, but it's not going to be that hard. It's no, it's no harder than like a, just a simple guitar riff. Yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, like, <laughs> but with them just like underestimating other musicians, like, oh, our music's the best. It's it's really hard to yeah. play, and you know, you got to learn it, you know, <laughs> to be a part of our team. You know, whatever. Um. <laughs> um. You know, on IMDb, I was looking at like any of the uh, some any goofs that they may have had. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of this seems to be with uh, stuff that was in the scene that you know these things weren't out then. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, like a Coca Cola uh, 
the bass player brings in a wooden case of Coca-Cola bottles with a dynamic written ribbon logo, which wasn't created until 1969. It's supposed to be 1965. <laughs> so, um, <Boo. laughs> uh, the design of the, it says the design on the Illinois state flag during the dance with me tonight scene is from 1969. You know, <laughs> I thought it was going to be some Nick stuff Nick. like, <laughs> you know, like in um, like in Straight Outta Compton, like some people wearing some Jordans from the like late 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> that you clearly yeah. like, wait, those are like the 96 Jordans. This was be 1988, you know, something like that. Speaking of, I just watched that movie the other day for the first time. I loved it. <laughs> you like Straight Outta Compton? A lot of people did. I did. A lot yeah. of people did. Um Spoiler uh, I, alert. I, I, I question our, our friendship at this point now, Matt. Yeah, I did like it. I, I don't know why. Like, I liked I liked the casting in it, I, except for Dre. I think they could have gotten somebody that looked a little more like him. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know like a hundred percent what the story actually was. But like, if it's anything like that, like it, I don't know. I, I just like how the whole thing played out. And I did read it up a little bit after that and, you know, tried to see like what people thought or what was actually factual and what wasn't. And like some of the stuff surrounding like the manager was up for debate, but a lot of stuff was, was left out to me basically. Um, yeah. Okay. One interesting goof that they had here is in the, this is in the director's cut. (laughs) So you see if you can find this, Matt, while the wonders are in the booth for the early morning interview show in LA, Mm -hmm. As the camera pans around the DJ, the back of the Canadian pop LP Fields of Fire, released by released in 1988 by Corey Hart, <laughs> is visible at the back of the stack of LPs. That, well, that just means Corey Hart's a time traveler. <laughs> sunglasses on and goes back in time. Wow. Uh, that's very detailed. That is very detailed. Things you couldn't find in, until the Blu-ray came out. <laughs> Zoom in far enough. Um, and uh, okay, there's some other goofs like when Villa Piano pays Lenny for the night. The bonus in five dollar bills disappears from the top of the bar on Lenny's close-ups. <laughs> so the money's there, it and does. then it's not yeah. there. Yeah. Um. And uh, apparently there's a scene when the wonders meet Saul Siler, we can clearly see the camera at the start of the following shot. Mm, <laughs> watch that. Um, so, yeah, well, um, out of 10, Ben, what do you give this movie on a scale of one to 10? I give it an eight. Matt, what do you give it? For me, it's a nine, and it probably comes from like the nostalgic thing because like I watched it and loved it as a kid. You know, it was, I was what eleven when it came out, and I mean, I watched a lot, and I also have a soft spot for like that era of music, mm-hmm. and I just I like period films, period TV shows. I don't know, maybe it's because of that, but uh, yeah, for me, it's a nine, and I. I am disappointed that IMDb people only gave it a 6.9, but yeah. yeah, for me personally, it's a nine just, just because of all that. And it's one of those movies I can put in and just leave and not have to, you know, fast forward or cut it. Like I always want to watch it. 
So. You said you like movies that like take place during that era. So how many times have you watched Pleasantville? Uh, only once, actually. And Pleasantville, that was a weird one to me, just because of the whole black and white thing. But like, I like Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies, and that's <laughs> sort of in the same mm-hmm. era, like you know, the same like same feel to it. And like, I like I like Mad Men, and that's like 1960s, and like uh, Man in the High Castle, that's in the same 1960s. So I like, I, I guess I like that specific time period just the way everything looks simple the way everybody dresses like the the vintage like whenever like a uh, dr pepper i think released like those vintage looking cans that they had i just i love that like old feel to things and this movie's kind of packed full of that kind of you know simpler times where you didn't have to microphone all your instruments apparently <laughs> <laughs> or any of them yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I give it. I give it a um, a seven. Uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> Guy and Faye fell in love uh, way too fast. <laughs> it was a matter of minutes, seconds, maybe. Hey, hey! They set it up at the beginning. Guy does everything way too fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. He plays songs way too fast. He falls in love fast. Yeah. He breaks up with people fast so fast that uh only this time uh, not even realized jimmy didn't tell him to slow down jimmy didn't tell him. <laughs> true true and like if there was <laughs> what are you we're talking about the the possible sequel mm-hmm. do you think jimmy showed up to guy and Faye's wedding hell no <laughs> no but i wonder if dave gamelgard did the guy that she kissed in high school. <laughs> I always imagine him coming back and be like, I really love you. And then... But Tina did like in the graduate <laughs> where he's like begging on the glass. I can see Tina showing up though. And just being like, what happened? <laughs> I don't want you. But she would have shown up with the dentist though. But no, I, I just imagine that she was like, now that you're famous, <laughs> you get a lot more attractive. Mm. I saw you on the TV at the appliance store. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, when when they were, um, but when they were like when they got that gig, all of a sudden in at the at the restaurant, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Did she show up for what? She showed up for that. She yeah. did. It was in the director's cut, and that was when that oh, uh, okay. guy got the fire extinguisher and like sprayed it all over. And she like you know blamed it on guy. She's like, thanks a lot, guy. And runs out. I guess it was his fault that the idiot took a fire extinguisher and started spraying it everywhere. I don't know. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask, but like this this will be the last question here. Um, how long do you think this took place from like when Chad broke his arm? To when they break up at the recording studio. I feel like it was a couple months. Yeah. I mean, like, if if I'd have to go back and watch it again with that in mind, but like, um, like I think, you know, when they made it, Chad was still in his cast because he comes and applies at the store, like brings the sign, and he's still got his arm in his cast, mm-hmm. so they're already, you know, hitting. And I I, I want to say he still had the cast when they were like. Chad was at the house with Guy's parents watching them on TV. Yeah. And, uh, let me see. There was something like with the timeline of 
the bass player having to go to the army like he couldn't stay until august or something like whatever month that was so it just it felt like it was definitely within a year because his time frame was already you know kind of set in stone and i i feel like it was like all it felt to me like it was within like six months of start to finish mm. but maybe not i, I have to go back and watch it thinking about actually. that because it was a blur it could just seem like if they were going to like chad broke his arm the day of the talent show um so that might have been like in the morning <laughs> so guy could come and rehearse they play that night then the restaurant owner wants him to play there. Who knows mm-hmm. when that was when they played, when they first started playing there. Was that the next day, the next week? But yeah, it it seems like it was over the course of like, it was like April to, probably April to August. The length of a summer. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> a good point. This, it, was, yeah. it seemed like a summer song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one crazy summer. Yeah. <laughs> A wonderful... No, no, no. I'm going to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> so... So neaters. <laughs> um, so that will do it for our um, our discussion about that thing you do. Uh, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Uh, this is an artist that I, I started to listen to a little bit more. Um, just because I... It's, it's just one of those that I think is just wonderfully weird uh thundercat um listen to thundercat his album drunk and uh, he has a song called them changes and the more i listen to him like that you hear more and more of the steely dan michael mcdonald kitty lockins <laughs> influence all good things all yes good things. uh uh, I'm I'm waiting for like a I think on his next album he had he had Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins on a song on the drum I think on his next album he should get like Christopher Cross where we, where is he where is he <laughs> Christopher Cross he's gonna be on the uh, train cruise this year so I know exactly where he's gonna be on uh, March 7th through 11th 2018 what see so that that we haven't got any stories out of him. We, yeah, we didn't get any stories, man. I, I can. I, I'll come back and do that. That's okay. That's a, yeah, that's a thing I'll do. Yeah. All right. You got to tell, and this is kind of and a if, teaser. And if you ever want to talk about Almost Famous, I'll do that as well. I've okay. never seen Almost Famous. Uh, it's my favorite. You movie come to the crib this time. weekend. Yeah, that's a that's a really good movie. It's it's weird, but it's good and weird in the way of like it's it's like take the take that thing you do. Fill it with drugs and groupies. <laughs> I'm dead, scared, and that's what you get. Like it's it's the like actual like the real rough side of being a rock star in the '60s and the '70s. Filled with drugs and drinking, and women who claim to not be groupies. <laughs> They're band aids. I know that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we're going to play here is "Them Changes" by Thundercat from his album "Drunk," and we'll be right back. Thank you. 
Thundercat from his album Drunk. That is like on the, the BTTYHT Earworms playlist and also the infamous We Lit playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find the BTTYHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. And uh, yeah, Hot Rod Hearts is still not back on there. So I've, I've, more letters. I've given up. You get Robbie Dupree. <laughs> yeah, they, that was one of my earworms. And see, he knows how Rob. Yeah, no, I, I worked with that dude a bunch last summer. He's yeah. a, he's awesome. These are the stories we're talking about. See, tease yeah. them. Yeah. Tease. No, Robbie Dupree is a solid, solid man. If you Still see him it. again, tell him I, I love Hot Rod Hearts, and I don't know if he released it as a single, but he should have. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I might see him this month if he's on that show we're doing. Um, I have to look that up. Actually, I'm gonna look it up right now. Um, when you're on next, I I'm just this is throwing just totally t- throwing out a tease. Um, you got to tell the story about Andy Grammer and Train. Which one am I thinking? Um, when you're on next, you can tell it now if you want, but it's just it's just a funny story. <laughs> but um, oh, the, talking about when he had to fill in for Pat, yeah. Pat being the lead singer, Pat Monahan yeah. Train. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm trying to remember everything about it. Um, yeah, Pat, so basically, I think it was, two, it might have been two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago because he canceled last year. Um, Pat lost his voice like after the first set on the ship. And so they were supposed to do you know, another train set out on the pool deck and without your lead singer's voice, that's not as exciting. So what we decided to do was try to get all of the other artists to come in and, you know, jump up on stage to sing a song and Pat would be up there and kind of try to back him up if possible. But like, so like, you know, Pat's got kind of a, a vocal range that's a little higher than most mm-hmm. and you know the band's not gonna you know play lower to accommodate you know the other artists they're just gonna have to try to do the best they can so i just remember andy Grammer in the office and like he's sitting there and that i think it was might have been drops of jupiter it or something was, like yeah. that yeah 
And, you know, he's sitting there trying to like, he's like, I don't know if I can hit this. And like, he's, you know, sitting there trying to do it. And it's just, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, it wasn't just him. It was everybody trying to, they come in there and like the first thought is, I don't know if I can do this. Like I remember Stephen <laughs> Kellogg walking in there and he's like, I don't like, everybody's just like, you know, these, they're these seasoned musicians. They've got great voices, but like when it comes to singing, you know, train songs, it just shows like, you know, nobody can do it like the original guy because it's like they, instead of doing their own version of it, everybody's trying to be Pat. And yeah, it was just funny kind of watching everybody come in and try to like, you know, I don't know why, why they didn't walk out of the room and they chose to just do it right there in front of us. But I was kind of just enjoying watching it and just like, you know, hearing these singers kind of just like give it their best shot. I mean, the show actually went really well. Like everybody kind of had, had a chance to go back and kind of figure everything out. And it was like one of the best moments. And I don't even know if like, I don't know if the fans on board noticed anything wrong with Pat's voice or if they just thought like, oh, they're doing a collaborative set with everybody. How cool. <laughs> but yeah, it, to me, it seemed like it was very smooth. Like it, there was no like, oh, yeah, Pat's, you know, screwed his voice up. We're not going to hear Train. We're going to have to hear, you know, everybody try to be Train. But I think I want to say that was the year like maybe Philip Phillips was on and a bunch of other people. I I'm sure that set's on YouTube somewhere. But uh, it actually ended up turning out pretty well. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed watching people try and try and, you know, just kind of get intimidated by the vocal range of Pat Monahan, who's a, a beast. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that that is a there'll be a, a, a tease for mm -hmm. uh, the next time you join us. I think it might just be like story time. Yeah. I, 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 the play for is just to be story time with Matt. <laughs> uh, just with any of the the great story I'll try, to, I'll try to keep thinking up some stuff then so I've, I've got enough to talk about <laughs> cool. all right um uh well that brings it to the end of the show uh ben can you tell the people where we can be found well actually before you do that mm -hmm. matt if you want to be found <laughs> where can people okay. find you uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Bannister, um, two T's, two N's. And I think Facebook is Matt Bannister 311, if I'm not mistaken. But that's that's where you can find me occasionally posting about something. So. All right. So ben, where can we be found? You can find us at by the time you hear this dot com. No copyright <laughs> infringement. Not illegal. Show me the law. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, block style website. So go in there, check us out, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, both of those are spelled with the word you. If you want to find us on the hipper um, social media, Instagram, IG to the young folks, um, find us at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because. We're upstanding. Yes, we are. Upstanding with tiki torches. Um, and uh, you can also find us, you can email us, same spelling, at gmail.com. Uh, we can be found on iTunes, the um, the podcast thing on iTunes, podcast player. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. Apple, excuse me, Apple Podcasts. I'm not in that, that world anymore, so I just, I didn't know. You jerk. But um, Google Play. Yeah, yeah. Google Play app. Go and check that out. It's pretty cool. Castbox, Auto Radio, Overcast, Podomatic. You can find us on Stitcher. You can not Stitcher, Satchel. The other S. Satchel podcast. Satchel player. podcast player, which also has a cool feature where you can check out podcasts in your area. Yes. Um, 
I see. And stats on Satchel Paige's baseball career. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most random baseball player to bring up. <laughs> um, but, you know, many places to find us. So, you know, check us out. We'd love to, you know, hear from you. Get those downloads up, people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very I'm much. I'm going to ask Matt if he's been spamming. The, um, I feel like he has. The episode that he's on, like, hey, I was on this podcast, man. Check it out. Why could? But it was Is just it was that one. trio one? Yeah. Yeah. But that's he was also he on hates the rush, and that's the best power trio of all time. Yeah, I never understood why he hates them so much. <laughs> he was also on the Nirvana one, though, and that's yeah. like way down on the list. Oh yeah, he was on Nirvana. <laughs> so maybe he, maybe he was like, well, not that one. Check out Power Trio. Like this, <laughs> I talk more on that one. I don't know. Um, well, uh, we'll end the show with something. Um, well, Matt, what sh- what song from the soundtrack? could we end the show with is it would it be that thing you do or is there another song going here that you would that you think we should end the show with i think that would be the easy one to do but i think my favorite is dance with me tonight and i don't know why but i always love that one i love that scene so that's that's what i would suggest why wasn't that the b-side i don't know well it is on the actual like they released it on um vinyl or whatever limited release in the u.s and that was the b-side instead of my only dreams i was gonna say ask mr white (laughs) (laughs) yeah if mr white had his way that would have been the b-side exactly did did jimmy write it (laughs) 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 that's probably why jimmy didn't write it that's why he didn't want to i quit Uh, Um, (laughs) give me a second while I get that queued up Um, and we'll never that's the sad part oh and I actually got to quote this movie today I forgot to even mention that and it wasn't anything I I wasn't thinking about this podcast at all but I was uh, overhearing a conversation with uh, a guy in our office and he manages a band on the side and um, two of the members just within a couple of days decided they wanted more money they're quitting so they end up quitting and he gets off the phone with the the lead singer and like um kind of like lead of the whole band and uh i look at him and i was like your band is falling apart guy and he got the <laughs> prince and, and yeah. So, yeah nobody's going to jail <laughs> which is that he's like no one's going to jail but the the, the back of my mind was like but y'all ain't getting any more money. <laughs> Not off this song. Um, so yeah, we'll end the show with Dance With Me Tonight, uh, Lenny's shining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Peace. See you. Come on.